and welcome to episode 100. Russellcast here, Redleaf Retrocast, Valentine Wave Cinderella Journey, and boy do I have a special guest. JPQ, you're back for this momentous occasion. Four years in the making, man. I'm excited. I, uh, <laughs> really I appreciate you. Years. It has, of course it has been. Yeah. 52 divided by 26. Every two weeks, boom, there we get there. <laughs> and uh, here we are, right? We've made it. You've made it. Um, I've been fortunate enough just to come on a couple times to, uh, you know, help with the buffoonery. But, you know, you've been holding it down now, man, for the better part of four years. Proud of you. That's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, it's uh, the grind is real and it's a lot of fun. Uh, I've I've learned a lot along the ways and made a lot of friends, surprisingly enough. That does happen. Yeah, buddy. It does. Absolutely. Good, uh, good content creatorship. Um uh, a network you've been able to build in your four years. Yeah, it's a nice little small community we got, and at least the downloads say that it's it's grown every month it's existed. Uh, I know it's I'm not pulling in any PWI numbers. I'll know that I know that. <laughs> <laughs> but for just a, a little guy who's lived in like three countries and multiple states during this journey, uh, very fun. And we got a fun episode today. But where would I be without plugging? The Patreon. Redleaf Retrocast Patreon, LLPW Reviews, and the prime real estate of the Joshi 2010s journey been going on. And along with this episode coming out, we got Stardom Season 3 Wonderful Stars from 2011 coming out along this. So go sign up. That's patreon.com slash redleaf retrocast and a host of other content. And I'm, I, I, I will admit, I may have uh, bit off more that I could chew with one of my ideas, the kind of match of the year idea. So I'm going to kind of replace that uh, with something else I'm working on that will go up uh, on the Patreon. So I hope you enjoy that. That's I, I hope to get the first thing out this week. Uh, that match of the year thing is ridiculous. JPQ. <laughs> <laughs> it is for sure. It's Absolutely nuts because all those matches in the 80s, they all go like an hour. So I got to watch like 100 of these things to really get a good uh, feed on it all. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, there's a reason we don't complain about 15 or 20 minute draws. It's because when you're watching 60 minute, you know, all the way back then, you learn to appreciate the 20 minute draw. Yes, indeed. Okay, on this podcast today, we're going to clown on some Noah here in a little bit. We're going to clown on some AAA, even though I had fun watching it. <laughs> and then it's a lot of Joshi talk, especially stardom. And we're going to talk some wave, JPQ, your neck of the woods. A big fan. Big fan of the wave. Let's hang 10, brother. Yeah. And then one of my favorite promo promotions, WXW, the 16 carat tournaments coming up, which I'm very excited uh, about. We'll do a nice little rundown and then just a nice little recap, short thoughts over Dragon Gate, AEW and New Japan. How's that nice. sound? I love it. It sounds good. Sounds great to me. Yeah, I, I think it's safe to say the Joshi talk will take up a brunt of this. <laughs> I, I would assume so. Yeah. Alrighty. So, <laughs> Noah happened. JPQ. I look. Hey, I uh, I saw it on the timeline. Seems to be um, a good topic of discussion to begin the show with. Yeah, so here's the thing. Uh, I, I get requests and questions all the time why I don't cover Noah on this podcast, like, really at all. 
And it's I, I, really, it's kind of the same reasoning I give the AJPW is I'll watch like rave reviewed matches every now and again. But as for covering the promotion, I just don't have a lot of nostalgia with the promotion. I don't have an interest with much of the rosters that they got. And I already watched New Japan for the most part and kind of doubling down on a promotion with a kind of similar, I don't want to say style, but similar booking patterns and all that. I, I, I like, I like, I like variety when I watch different things. That's why I watched DDT for a, for a full time last year, for example. Uh, but I do cover Dragon Gate. That's that I like. I, I really love Lucha Libre and the style and mixed with kind of a Japanese style. So when it comes to Noah, uh, it's really not my thing, but then again, I have issues with it, and there's a lot of parallels to a lot of my critiques with the Joshi scene, uh, especially covering in the Joshi 2010s, where it's too often the quote-unquote old guard will big league or book themselves over or they have booking power, uh, whatever phrase or terminology you want to use. Noah has been riddled with this uh, since its early days, and it and it happens to be way too cyclical with a lot of things, and you constantly see it coming. There was the big stink last year with Keiji Muto, uh, Mr. Old Man, winning the title after a big, lengthy, uh, very well critically received title reign from Goshiyazaki, and everyone who kind of jumps into the promotion new is so convinced that they're going to put someone over new. They're going to put someone over young. It's it's all going to pay off. And time and time again, it just never happens. And time is a flat circle with Noah. That's what kind of put this promotion in the doldrums and issues, uh, at least from a booking perspective, in the early 2010s. Sound familiar? Uh, when Masawa and Kobashi and a lot of these guys just wouldn't put that young generation over, wouldn't have the confidence in that next generation taking over, and then it just really hurt. I mean, Noah's been close to closing multiple times over the last decade alone. And if it wasn't for Cyber Agent coming in, they would have been closed, essentially. So here we are, cut to February 2022. Katsuyuka Nakajima, a guy I really love watching, a young guy, uh, the surrogate son, <laughs> we'll, call, we'll call him, of Akira Hokuto. Uh, perhaps you've heard of her. Yep. Yeah. Know her. Yeah, he was in the midst. Uh, he just got this title like a few months ago. And here comes a dude from the Anokiism era. He's an ex-shooter. And he just beats this guy. And the way he beats him is just... Uh, are you familiar with how he beat him, by chance? No. No, I'm not. All right. Well, let me describe what happens here. He power bombs Nakajima. He punts him in the face, puts his knee on his chest... And pulls him up at two, gives him another power bomb, and kind of, well, fucks him in the ass <laughs> as he pins him. Uh, mm. Yeah, Masato Tanaka comes down, another guy, maybe you've heard of him. He comes down, pours beer all over his face, and challenges for the title. <clears throat> so there you go. <laughs> 51 okay. years old, beats the young guy. And sure. Time is a fashion, it feels like. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's very damaging. And... If you just see the kind of outcry, uh, not just on social media, but this is why the attendance is so low with Noah. And I've been kind of the guy 
uh, since last year where people are so convinced that Noah is this hot promotion and there's no metrics that suggest it is. And this was a great, this was another example. They, they drew sub 700 for a major title match that had a big title change on it. And if anyone thinks this guy is going to put someone over that's young and fresh and new, Noah's uh, not built for that. It won't happen. And it will never happen. And that's very unfortunate. And this is very reminiscent to what us Joshi fans and women's wrestling fans have been going through for the past, what, 25 years, essentially? Mm. Now, knowing that Fujita now has the title, mm-hmm. what what options do they have for pathways moving forward? So the only pathway they have is he gets injured and vacates it, which is very popular. <laughs> mm. That's a very popular one. Uh, cut to Keiji Muto breaking his hip because he's old and vacating oh, no. the tag titles. Yeah, but that was real, right? No? <laughs> you never know with this man. Supposedly, okay. it's real. Fair enough. Living the life, man. Yeah. Living that kayfabe life. Uh, if reports are being believed, it's definitely real, and it really screwed up a lot of plans. If you read the reports that were coming out of Noah, that they were building up to a double title match with Fujita and Keiji Muto, uh, mm. title for title. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, what Voices of Wrestling. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, yeah they're yeah. the ones that came out with that via their their own Patreon. So, the other options is the other popular one, which is. They, the the guy who has the booking power, inmates running the asylum, uh, choose the guy that they believe is worthy uh, to drop the title to. And that comes down to essentially two people on the entire Noah roster. It's Marufuji and Sugera, Sugera, who are both pushing 40, 50 years old. Mm. Mudo dropped it to Marufuji, transitional reign, Nakajima took it, and now Fujita has it. I expect something exactly the same to happen, barring injury. Okay. I mean, it seems to be like the path they've been on for a little while now, huh? Yeah, and that's why, that's why, despite putting out uh, good to great matches in their main events and semi-main events, there's just too much of this roster that's of these old dudes that just do not want to look at the lights under any circumstances unless it's to each other. And even then, they're going to double countouts, time limit draws. It's it's very egotistical, and the problem is Keiji Muto. Once upon a time, he was a an actual draw and a legend of the wrestling industry. Like he actually has some merit to him, whether I like him or not. Fujita and these other dudes in there, they've never even had remotely the success that Muto's had. So. It's very, it's very unfortunate. So I, uh, I was joking about it with a couple guys on the Discord. Like, if this dude wins, uh, we're just gonna laugh because you see it coming. And unfortunately, for a lot of fans, new fans of Noah, that's really been uh, uh, drawn into it because of the Nakajima uh, title reign, because of the crossover with New Japan. They're out essentially. They're gonna, they're gonna get a hard taste of reality of what kind of the Puro and. Uh, lower end Joshi scene has been. There's an interesting point. The people that came in on the crossover who like wanted to check this out. You have all these, you know, new up and coming names. You've got, I mean, legends too, you know, uh, there. And then something like this happens. And overall, it feels like it wasn't well received. Now, I certainly don't have the algorithm for Noah, right? <laughs> sure. But 
it feels like overall when that happened, the the general um, the general sense was that you know it wasn't a popular decision. So I could see where that would take this influx of newbies and push them right out. Yes, sir. But let's move yeah. on to AAA. They had uh, Ray Reyes on February nineteenth, and this this show was hysterically bad <laughs> in so many ways. Uh, are you familiar with what happened at Ray Reyes? No, I missed all of Ray Reyes. I've been. Uh, I was uh, that weekend. I was out pretty pretty hardcore with uh, with strep throat. Oh yeah. So I missed everything that weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're also a busy guy, too, on top of it. That's very true. (laughs) So this was a heavily advertised event. They have a brand new English uh, broadcasting team. They're on Fight TV. A lot of people checking it out. It's uh, Johnny Superstar in the main event against Vikingo. Pentagon was going to be he's in a match there. There's a lot of uh, drawing eyeballs to the product. And (laughs) it's it wouldn't be AAA without just constant fuckery happening with (laughs) with awful booking with with, it was raining during the entire show essentially the oh yeah yeah yeah. okay so yeah i saw the picture of this main event this mega title yeah sure john superstar (laughs) what do you think of that name (laughs) i think he's running out of names (laughs) right and that everyone he i mean he's smart in the sense that everybody gets a licensed johnny name for every promotion (laughs) but eventually you're gonna run out of names I don't think he can. <laughs> I don't think he will. Why would he just use Johnny Lucha? Something like that. Like, well, Johnny Mundo's under uh, Johnny Lucha Mundo's Underground. A, Lucha Underground, right? Yeah. But again, isn't that AAA? Well, he, yes and no. Kind of. Nah, I guess it really wasn't, but it kind of was. Like, maybe it was just a talent exchange thing. It, um, it's it was like the same ownership, but under different. I I I can't speak on it. Like. Yeah, clear it's enough. been years. I've forgotten. Yeah, it's, I forgot. it's, there was there's something there. I forget what it was. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, so the two commentary teams throughout the show were talking over each other. They didn't know how to separate the audio. Uh, oh boy! Okay. Oh yeah, we came into the into the show mid match, the dark match, which wasn't supposed to uh, happen. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to air. <laughs> Even in Mexico, there were reports where they missed, like, the first three matches on television. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, it's just up and down. It's a disaster. Uh, along with false advertising, right up until the show, Phoenix was advertised as he's wrestling. And he goes, nah, I'm hurt, whatever. You'll just have Pentagon versus Drillistico. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he dislocated his elbow a couple weeks ago. I think we all kind of <laughs> figured he'd probably be out on the shelf for a little while. Yeah, that was a month and a half ago now. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a, been a hot minute. But taking, I'll take some positives here because I could clown on them all day. Not a psycho clown, but just a regular clown. I'll just clown on them. <laughs> the positives are well, the, the mixed tag team title lumberjack match. I'm ignoring the nonsense of the lumberjack and the straps and the uh, referee tomfoolery that gets involved. I want to talk about La Hydra, sexy star in this match. I thought it was, I thought those two in particular really delivered. Uh, Chick, Mor- Chick Tormenta, pretty slow, but when it came down to Erez, Viano Jr. 3, uh, Viano 3 Jr., Octagon Jr., like all these people were doing phenomenal stuff. 
So if AAA can find out to get rid of all the fuckery that they just seemingly have to do, uh, then we could be in for much better things. And even so, uh, the five-way contender match with a lot of the women wrestlers, Lady Flammer, uh, Kayra, Lady Shani, Marvia, they all looked great. Uh, there was there was a Spanish fly off the apron to the floor by Kayra. Uh, Lady, I think it was Lady Flammer who did a tope con hero through the ropes, and they did the whole they did this crazy move so they're out of the match angle. <laughs> so at least they they did something with them. So in the terms of the women's wrestling minus Chick Tormenta and Taya Valkyrie, all good stuff from their end. I can't speak enough about how uh, positively to their in ring game that they had. That's good. Uh, There is something to be said that uh, Mexican women's Lucha Libre doesn't get enough recognition worldwide, right? Like, you hear a lot about Joshi. For a while there, there was even chatter of the UK scene coming up back like 2018, 2019, and they were kind of building the the cornerstones for what could be a good women's push in in Britress. Um... They've been doing it in Mexico forever, and you just they just never seem to get the appreciation they deserve. So it's funny you mention not getting appreciated because it's never the, the women. Well, it, I would say it's a promotion thing just in general with Mexico. I was listening to a podcast that was dis- that uh, one of the guys in charge of the business side of of AAA went on and he was discussing the uh, business maneuvers and tactics of AAA and their future. And uh, it was, I, I do encourage it. It is, um, uh, what, 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 what is this podcast called? Bear with me. I have it. I have it up. <laughs> it is called, where are you? Uh, the business of the business podcast. With uh, Dorian Rolden, the director general of AAA. There you go. Got all the facts there. And it was interesting. He was talking about the tactics to expand into America and how that's very important for their pay-per-view rate. And that's that's why it encourages them to book Americans on their shows because and he even admits like they don't sell another ticket in the Mexican arenas that they're going to, but it does have a significant impact on their pay-per-views. So he kind of confirmed... It's a lot of confirmation of thoughts I've had. Uh, This this year and last year, they're making an effort to do more Triple Mania taglined shows in newer markets, and with the wide knowledge that Triple Mania is under the impression that it's an important show... Uh, they can tackle new markets and get new or existing fans to come to their shows and get a taste of what AAA is in these in these newer areas and expose their wrestlers to a new audience. Uh, that was one 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 thing. Uh, the most <laughs> funny thing that he said was that he was asked the question, "What do they think about Co- what does he think about Conan being the Booker of AAA?" And he basically said that Conan's the only Booker. In Mexico, like if you ask, according to him, if you ask a, a, a luchador, they don't know what the word Booker means, 
or what that entails, because all they do is make cards. There is no such thing as a booker. So Mm, no storyteller. Right. right. So in terms of of being the only one, Conan is the best and doing a good job in Mexico. (laughs) So I got a kick out of that. Uh, Now ask me if I thought this show was well booked in any sort of way. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I think you're about to tell us. Yeah, the the answer is no. It's it's atrocious and it, it's always <laughs> bad. Um, it's and this is another promotion where it's filled with a lot of a lot of dudes that don't want to eat falls uh, properly or put guys over. They never. There's like in Mexico, there's families that don't want to lose. It's like uh, Dra- Dragon Liege or Listico, as long as they're in Mexico, just we will not fall <laughs> kind right. of mentality. We've, we've had a new tier. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's a longstanding tradition in kind of Lucha Libre is f- families and family ties and whatnot. But uh, as for the rest of the show, Pentagon Jr. or Listico had a had a great match. They were on their way to an even better match. And then Dra- Dragon Liege just kind of hit the ring for a DQ. So that sucks. But uh, there was a one move where Pentagon leapt off the referee into Drillistico into a Canadian destroyer. That Wait. that was that was rad. Love those. Yeah. Uh, and in the main event, Vikingo saved the show, had one great match. John, Johnny Superstar delivered uh, only 13 minutes. So w- I would say it did not overstay its welcome. <laughs> well, hey, oh, that's important. It's very important to a lot of people. <laughs> right. Dude, it was like pouring rain, and they're still going out there and doing just high-end aerial acrobatics to go along with it. I mean, it's just one slip, and their neck's breaking. Kind of been like it was from the entertainment and awe factor. I gave this match a full three out of three. I just adored it. Great. Yeah, I, I do recommend going to see it. And there was a hilarious moment mid-match where Johnny Superstar wanted to get a cameraman's camera, and nobody told this dude <laughs> his camera was going to be taken. He was not having it. So Johnny Superstar gave up and got a lighting <laughs> fixture and took it in the ring. And that's when uh, someone came down. I think it was Laredo Kid. And he's like, no, don't break the light. <laughs> took it away and got out of the ring. <laughs> good that's the kind of tomfoolery i could put up with that was sure. yeah that was ray to reyes uh i you got to see this main event it's pretty incredible with the rain and difficulty of kind of being in the rain very impressive thanks so check it out yeah so we talked about noah we talked about AAA, and before we get into joshi i thought i'd uh give a little update on kind of my uh, wrestler of the year type uh okay. type rankings and stuff um, you can see the full table uh, with uh, the two week points that we do that I've been doing for four years now. And uh, Julia, Maslamovich, Mayu, Shuri, and Hazuki round out the top five for women, all kind of in the same ballpark of each other. And the men, it's Osprey, Hangman Page, Sammy Guevara, Okada, and Cody Rhodes. I don't think he'll be staying there. <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not. But I also started a. This is something a lot of people in the wrestling community, at least on Twitter, and everyone keeps like spreadsheets and tracks like star ratings of all their matches. Have you seen this going around? Oh, sure. Yeah. So I thought I'd do something similarly, but with 
the one to three ranking that I have, one star, two star, three star, highly recommend, recommend, worth a watch, mm-hmm. and just see how much accumulation there is over time. And it kind of also indicates what promotions I'm watching the most. And I'm just, sure. yeah, through basically the end of February here. Uh, let's see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. My <laughs> One through seven of the top are all stardom wrestlers. <laughs> nice. Well, with the volume they do at the same time um, and the, the quality lately, why wouldn't they be? Right. Now, that was my th- uh, my thoughts as well. Uh, so I'll put I post I'll post kind of the top 10 uh, every two weeks as well, just to go along with it. Uh, and you'll see kind of the recommended matches and who's on top. By the way, Julie and Shuri are on the top there. So there is a little bit of discrepancy on kind of the one through five, which I thought was interesting. Okay. Yeah, Masha being there, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if she stays because she's had a lot of momentum early. Mm-hmm. But you know, Indy's kind of have an ebb and a flow to them, and so it'll be interesting. It'll be fun to see where she ultimately ends up after two months being um, top five. Yeah. So one thing I've really wanted to do this year is <clears throat> because the Indies are coming back in the United States to an extent, Europe. I really want to dive further into, let's call it Western Joshi, if you will. I think that's a good tagline. Let's call it Western Joshi. Hey, I'm all about it. And I, I don't want to totally, it, it's a totally different style and different presentation. And I don't want to discount a different sort of work rate for what's considered good or bad. Because if I'm going by my one to three rankings, it's are they putting on a show that the fans like and do I enjoy it? And. So that requires, t- uh, not requires, but it- it's it's really cool to have something like Title Match Network and uh, IWTV to really get a good feel for what's out there and to see the development of the scene. And a lot of AEW wrestlers are also uh, hitting the scene in many different ways. You asked that could Masha Slamovich kind of have that <clears throat> continued momentum? I'm a little hesitant in the the state of impact women's division and how they're presented much kind of in the, in the same realm of worry as the triple a luchadoras. They just don't, when it comes to the TV wrestling, they don't really operate impact uh, anyways, doesn't operate in the same scale as AEW, where AEW really wants to focus on work rate most of the time, rather than, Story storytelling in the in the sense where it's like two, it's almost like you're repeating the year two thousand one. You follow me? Sure. No, it's, it's the indies. Yeah, you're not yeah. holding on to storylines. They're not the focus, right? Well, with that, I think I should play a little Maya Yukihi drop. I like it. Yeah. Oh boy, my computer's lagging. <laughs> it's not liking this. Uh, yeah, I'll play it, and we can get into the Joshi talk. Do it. Oh boy, computer really got to catch up. <laughs> Bear with it. Come on, computer. Play the music, damn it!
All right, JPQ, it finally did play. <laughs> Things are going smooth here on episode 100. Joshi News and Topics, and boy, we got a good one. Nomads. It's a show that's happening, uh, to my understanding, is it's put on by Natsu Sumire. She's coming back after two and a half years. I believe that's the, uh, the amount of time that's passed since we last saw her. And yeah, it's right before the pandemic. Yeah, it's an entire. Was it just before or after? Just after. Yeah, and it's a, it's a show that's being put on that's entirely of freelancers, uh, people without a home, quote unquote. It's kind of their uh, thing going on. Uh, some some names include Sauriano, Maya Yuki, uh, Natsu Sumire. I assume she's going to wrestle, maybe, perhaps. <laughs> Uh, Miyuki Takase and a, a few others. Uh, what, what's your what's your gauge on this and your positives and negatives? Uh, I kind of love it um, only because it's assemble, but a different group saying we can probably do it a little bit better, make a little more money. You know, um, it's you know it's it's entrepreneurial. You know it's. Something different from these freelancers outside of Natsu. We've kind of seen everybody kind of run the circuits and, and do the shows and have the matchups and compete for the titles and things like this. So this just adds another variation, um, another layer of the onion of all these freelancers um, putting something together themselves. Execution will be interesting to watch. Um, you know, lighting, like again, like I think all in but on a smaller scale like are we going to get something we've never seen before or are we just going to get another produce show and if we get another produce show how does that compare to the other ones it's going to be interesting right to see how they kind of um what their vision for this is i like the um i like this wave of of indie shows coming through in the last couple years um uh before they were there just to celebrate people retiring or or leaving and coming stateside or whatever the case. Now it's like a celebration of themselves. And I think that's a really neat place to be in coming out of the last couple of years, coming out of not complacency in the market. Like, I mean, you know, we've had stardom kind of separate away, TJPW to an extent, kind of their own thing. You know, I mean, you can make the case they were separate prior, but <laughs> further separate away now that they're in a cyberfight world and then you have everybody else and so this is feels like something fresh um i don't know if it's a long-term thing um, i'm not going to sit here and say that nomads is going to become a promotion maybe it will but i doubt it and probably you know one if one goes well two if two goes well three and then they'll probably stop regardless um <laughs> you know like because it's a lot of work and, you know, come in, make some money, you know, and uh, you would think on some level they should be wrestling each other because there's seven of them and that could make for some at least quote seven quote. Yeah, at least seven. According to um, Natsu Sumire, it's also going to include colors. That's good. Yeah. Well, I knew Saki was part of it and I, I assumed uh, Shimizu would be there. Um but yeah, I mean, they could bring in a couple other. Why not? Um, there's only a couple of them anyway. So you got <laughs> 11, 12 right there. It could be fun. You know what I mean? Some dream matches, some hopefully not draws. But even if you do, you're kind of paying for it. I don't know, man. Like, I just look at it and I say, you know, short term thing, quick pop, make a buck. 
you know, there's a lot of positives to it. So I was thinking about I was thinking about this from a number of different directions, uh, both positive and negative, and also kind of fantasy hat wise. But the 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 positive is the the talent that's amassed here uh, to put on a show like this. It's going to have a higher quality than a lot of produce shows that we're used to seeing. Uh, prominence, I'd imagine so. Yeah. <laughs> is, is, is is one of them. Even the color show. Uh, the the negative is <clears throat> unfortunately. I have to look at it from uh, this perspective along with everything else is when this it just kind of further proves the scene has sunk so low and it's not because of stardom and signing people or anything like that. It's just it, it's it's just what we've been talking about over the last 10 years is none of these promotions grow in the way that they that they should or indicative of, of making money the way they should. And that's kind of what what leads to a lot of things and booking leads to a lot of things are these wrestlers satisfied so we've reached a point finally where one promotion is broken off and the others uh, can't catch up and you uh, at least through my eyes no one's no one's really making that effort uh, to truly try and so when we get a produce show like this coming out, and this is the excitement level that we're getting, rather than, say, the next big Sendai show coming on, you know, once once a month, every other month, uh, it's just always just cards being made uh, throughout the rest of the scene. So that's my negative to it. Uh, the other The other positive is these people do have the potential to do something special here if they so choose it. Obviously, a money backer is extremely important, and you could kind of say it's unrealistic, but it all depends on the wrestlers involved. Do they want to play ball with each other? Uh, and I am I lean towards the more posit- positive outlook on that side, because when you look at the wrestlers involved, you don't have any of these wrestlers that have been in the scene for 20 years or more. So they don't have that background of like a Yumiko Hotura Kyoko in a way to kind of step on people's toes and take the spotlight away from people. You have Mayuki who came up through Ice Ribbon, uh, very separatist. You have Rina Yamashita who's kicking it in Freedoms and various other promotions. These could be people hungry to do something special and... When you have someone like Natsu Sumire there, she's kind of a, a wild card in this. Does she have the mind for something more? And that's something I've thought about. There there just needs to be someone with that ambition, like Arashi Ogawa, that wants to do something special and, you know, running 100 to 200 people in Shinkiba isn't good enough. I want to see someone with that mind and just putting the fantasy hat on this could turn into something better than just a proto show that goes once or twice a year. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I think I like the, um, this is happening because of where the promotions complacency is. Right. Right. So I don't know if I necessarily think that's a bad thing, uh, because these cats are saying, all right, well, we're more than what the promotion's saying we are, so we're just going to bet on ourselves. You know what I mean? And in this marketplace, there is 
absolutely um, money to be made there. So why branch onto a, you know an ice ribbon, for example? Why branch onto a a seedling or or Diana or who even start uh, Natsu to to some degree um, coming back? You know why not go in and go in on yourselves instead of trying to go back and be something in somebody else's vision, right? Um, and I think that's where the excitement comes in. Number one, number two. You know these cats are all kind of around the same age, so I think there I think there's more to it than that, or there's more to that aspect of this. Yeah, you can definitely um, speculate something something else. Yeah, in there. I yeah right. I have no facts um, uh, as far as culturally what's happening. You know, like, you know what happens when you hit close to thirty and things of that nature. You know, but there is a a wave of of um, you know top quality wrestlers that are all around the same age that right that aren't. Uh, are either at the top and have been at the top for a minute or have beaten everybody and they're not going to be at the top and you, they really don't have anything for you. So might as well just move them out type of thing uh, or whatever the case is. They're here. And, you know, is it going to be a promotion? Is it going to be a standalone? I, I, you know, promotion day by day, right? Show by show. Right. Uh, I like that everybody's kind of pegging Natsu as the brains of this thing. You know, um, whether she's the one that came up with the idea, she's the one that brought it all together. She's the one that publicizes it. She's the one that's backing it through her other um, businesses that she owns. Who knows? Right. Maybe they all chipped in together. But I like that a lot of people are saying, like, now that she's coming back, she's really kind of being the one behind the scenes pulling the strings. Because then it does kind of open it up to a little bit more. Right. If we know that it's not a collection of ideas and it's one person's vision, they're, you know, they're working with their friends. Um, that could turn into be something special. I don't know where all this motivation's coming from. You know, like you don't see a lot of top talent, a lot of times working together outside of any promotion, right? Let alone all coming together and, you know, making it work themselves. And so this is really cool. I think this is, um, something that, you know, just breathes life into the indie scene more so. Um, not because the indie scene's bad, but just because, you know, you kind of know what you're getting. You kind of know your matchups, you know, your rosters and, you know, your freelancers. And so what's something different that the freelancers can do after they've worked every territory is go into business for themselves. And so <laughs> a lot like how we started this very exciting times. Well, the catalyst to all this is because all these other promotions are failing. More or less. Seedling or, is yeah, on. They just think they can go get a cash grab. Right? If they put on a show and they can make money on this while doing the seedlings, why not? You well, know? Yeah, for, for all we know, it could just be this one-off thing, and, and sure. it would just be a neat little show that they put on one time right. and go grab the DVDs. Yeah, sure. I I, I like having fun with further speculation. <laughs> sure. Because that's kind of why we're here and doing this. Oh, yeah. Uh, leads to more fun conversation. Uh, if these people have the ambition to do something more, it's really because a seedling is on death's door. It's because actress girls closed down and now they're do they're they're like reopened to another thing that's separatist from the rest of the scene. Oz Academy, aging stars, 40, 45, 50 plus with mm -hmm. very little to show of the next generation. I mean, who's to say that if Ozaki hangs it up? that oh that's ozaki show I, i'm not gonna say that ends yeah, exactly. with her but it might as well you right, know what i exactly. mean like, like once she's done people then go there do to we, see ozaki yeah yeah do we see that promotion surviving after that i, I don't pure j 
the last time you heard of anything out of there? Sendai, Mako Sato. Uh, I watched them. I got their thing. Well, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not but, the best example for that, but I know your point. Yeah, it's... It, Diane is still in the train station with God knows what going on. I mean, we're, we're, we're coming into 2022, and with the exodus out of Ice Ribbon, we're like, okay, wave. Maybe they can do something, and... They're going to have some fun, yeah. You know, I... I mean, we'll get into a little bit of wave, but I think everybody has their crowds, right? Like, I think that's the way you have to look at the Joshi independency. And, no, I, and I get collecting more crowds, but there's a lot of reasons um, and a lot of factors, right? And you do a great job of going through a lot of those readers, a lot of those reasons and a lot of those factors, right? Things like. If a couple of these promotions either died or came together, you could have one that appeals to a lot and you could make a lot of money, right? Or a lot, a lot more. Or the, the way the promotions are spread so thin, it can only allow for so much to be done, right? There's a ceiling on, on how much your earning potential is when, you know, you're stretched so thin so you're running the same cards or you only have a roster of five or whatever the case is. So I get all that. But I also think they all speak to a very specific kind of audience and i think some of them are going to fail just because the people that started them aren't there anymore like nane had her people you know what i mean the people that were going to come to see nane and as that generation or you know group of people that age group that um like-mindedness whatever it is right um have now started to not come to the shows or whatever the case is she the, the new ones aren't there right and it's because there are no new nane fans right really you know um and i mean that and again i don't want to be hard on nane let's talk about oz academy right <laughs> pick pick any of the jewish promotion um diana is another good one right and so they're beginning to fade out because you know like they're just getting older right and the younger wrestlers or the people coming up um and again we can talk about well this is why you build and this is the you know this is what you've been preaching forever yes for the last 50 episodes right like uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's um but the reality is is that you know there's a very specific crowd that you know that if you cater to they're going to show up and the guarantee of showing up that like i don't want to make it seem like a negative thing to see that like to say that complacency right but that uh, catering to of that fan base, right, is important, right, to make sure that everybody gets paid in this thing, the lights stay on another day. Where's the growth potential in it? That riddle outside of stardom, and even TJPW to some weird way, uh, was able to crack that code, right, and move on. A lot of these other ones, we just got to accept that they're not. You know what I mean? Well, and it's then also just it's try also, to embrace it for as long as we can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that's where my frustration comes from as a fan is mm. the lack well that's why lack. i like your take on oz academy 2011 2012 because it's like now you're not gonna hold anything against ozaki because it's 2022 and this is what oz academy is but you go back 10 years and you say man you really could have been number two you could have really this thing right. been a, you know a lot more than what it was you know like you might have missed an opportunity to, to, to go mainstream ozaki you know what i mean which would have been <laughs> incredible or just or just like you mentioned the the re, the repeat audience and pick you play a play the hits brother that's what we do I I know but you pick a promotion pick a pick a genre when you keep repetition to the same audience it's it's a declination of that audience and your job if you want to continue to <laughs> exist 
is to create new fans. That's what wrestling is. It's it's to create interest and fandom and you can't continue doing the same thing over and over and over again and expect different results. Can't I don't think do they it. expect different results. I don't know. I think Any, they know anytime, exactly what they're doing. I know, I know, but anytime I read some of these old interviews and the the words don't match the actions. <laughs> sure. I mean, there's the, I. this is what I'd like to do, or the, this is the reality I live in, which is much, much more than, than what's actually occurring. But like, I don't know. I always kind of look at it like some, cause again, it's the generation of promotions that we're coming out of are all kind of led by former wrestlers. You know what I mean? And so, you know, it's like you sit there and, and it's like, like, it's like going to see Fleetwood Mac. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see the hits. I want I want you to play rumors. I don't want you to, you know what I mean? Branch into something new, some instrumental thing you've been working on the last 20 years. I don't care. Right. I want to I want to see you go smash somebody, hit a power bomb. One, two, three. I want to see the W, which reminds me of all your future W's and then rinse and repeat until it's over. I think that's a lot of the scene, right? Like they're just milking their name until it's over. You know what I mean? And so the Rossi Agawa ambition of being more ambition of being more moving it into a presentable fashion to be able to be picked up by mainstream again, TJPW. I don't know what they did. <laughs> they took character fun time wrestling and turned it into cyber fight like number two. <laughs> it's like they did a great job. However, they've done it getting at least to some um, some side. Yeah, Waves on a little bit of an issues. upturn now, you know, but it's like, you know, it's just it's it feels like, a, you know, not the candles going out because I don't want it to be a sad song because I think that the Joshi scene is thriving overall just for like the dollars coming in this year compared to last year. I think in a lot of ways. Uh, um, well, no. Well, uh, well no. Only, if you'd say only stardom, then yes. <laughs> I guess I'm kind of including every promotion is kind of down year. Every promotion is down year over year. You break it out onto an individual promotion level, right? Yeah. Now you're probably right there. Um, I mean, I did a big comparison uh, yeah, recently with Ice down. Ribbon versus Wave, and I saw that. Yeah, they're they're both down year over year, and they're all kind of in this same numbered wheelhouse, and it's it's very it's very frightening. And it's a three fifty to four fifty. <clears throat> yeah, and that's something I brought up with Alex, uh, podcasting two ago was there has to be a movement or at least motivation at this point in time, two years into this COVID era, uh, and hopefully coming out of it soon. Is if you're drawing. 100 people. How do you get 50 people to show up? How do you get those 50 extra? You could play your hits. But there's got to be something fresh and new. When I look at Wave and they're doing comedy matches with Prominence, while I look at Stardom and Prominence is in a major angled storyline with top talent, you, I mean, the, the news cycle tells me and Google Trends tell me that the interest is not the comedy part of it all. Yeah, but you can't sit there and compare the two. Sure, like I, can. I just now, like again, you're talking about two completely different business models, right? Like, right, and I'm saying one is, is one using, is a problem. A a well, well, a. It's, well, it's not about being a problem. It's just about like where they are in their size now. Like, you like, you can't sit there and say that uh, prominence coming into wave, for example, right? Uh, like there, that's a mutually beneficial. Uh, partnership right there. Wave is, they're trying to, uh, Prominence is trying to get in front of the Wave audience, and the Wave is working off 
the the news cycle that prominence just came off of right and they're trying to use each other just to get a couple fans to pay attention you know in the tens yeah stardom is doing risa sarah and a huge huge favor by bringing them in and getting prominent prominence doesn't benefit stardom really you know what i mean by that bring them bring them bringing them on there's no mutual benefit sure there is the opposite, not to the, not, no, no. Stardom at this point, even if you're a Risa Sarah fan, you know what stardom is at this point. You know what I mean? You may not necessarily know what Wave is doing. Um, you know, if you're just a prominence or you're a hardcore deathmatch fan, or if you're, you know, pick what, however you become an ice, ice ribbon transfer, whatever the case is, like, at this point, you can't look at them the same, right? And say, like, well, you can't look, I mean, look at the difference and Wave is shtick. Wave is always going to be shtick. And to say, well, they're going to die a shtick. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, you know, but they're like a candle reference it. earlier, where it's a candle going out. I can see the wax. Yeah, I can the, see the wax the, just going down. The wax is just it's a little bit dimmer. less. It dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And again, you just have to kind of accept that, right? Like it's not going to change. And well, so, to okay. your point, so all, that all, right, into, all right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just continue. Yeah, I'll continue off of yeah. that comment then. Okay. Uh, I have a problem with that. <laughs> I have a big problem you with that. You always have. Yeah, yes. Always, I mean, again, you've been very consistent with that. I don't want to see the candle dwindle until there's no more. I want to see a... I want to see the candlelight jump to a fresh new candle. If you want to have shtick, have shtick. But I also want to see the excitement and growth into something bigger and better. And it could be 50 to 100 people more. I'm not asking for a whole lot. I'm asking for this attempt of trying, and I just don't see that through a lot of the scene. So when I look at something like Nomad, and there's, could it be a produce show again, where it's just one and done, and it's a neat show? I'll say it again. Yes, it's probably going to be that. <laughs> that doesn't have the potential to be something more if they put on something good and have, get some, I, I, I don't even want to say significant, any money behind it. Could they continue doing something? They could. Will they? I, I don't know the answer to that. There would have to be a lot of money behind it to get, I mean, I guess not all seven, right? But four, five to walk away from freelance work at this point. Well, they don't necessarily investment. Well, the thing is, they don't necessarily have to walk away from full time freelance work. If you're going to do a monthly show or a monthly show and a setup show, you're still looking at. 20 to 24 yeah, I mean, shows kept, a year. I meant more from like a bringing in a backer and like turning it into something more like, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe not exclusivity right off the get, but the idea would be to grow it to a point where maybe it would be. Well, the, I think, I think the theme of the, the podcast today is keep the egos in check. If you can somehow keep those egos in check, keep a, a steady streamline of money, at least coming to some extent. And I like to think that a lot of these, wrestlers involved don't have those egos and they want they want to do something special and fun then go out there and do something special and fun rather than just shtick over and over again where the candle finally goes out because wave has already been there unfortunately yeah i hear good things about 2016 Uh, (laughs) anyways well we brought up wave valentine wave february 13th you watched that whole show right I love that whole show. Yeah, three twenty-five Cork and Hall, bad number, but nope. But I'll say it, it was it was fine. I loved the main event. <laughs> I absolutely adored the main event. 
That's what I want to see. Haruko Omasaki, Kawahata, 10-minute draw. Hey, fine. No problem with that. Chiozura defeating Aoki and Yu via they got counted out and they're brawling. Not my f- not, <laughs> I love that, by the way. Not my favorite finish, but it does build something. And I'm okay with that. And a backstage segment. Uh, hardcore tag team match? I didn't watch that. <laughs> no way. I, I, I can speak on that real quick. I can tell you. Here's the, here's the standout thing about that match. It went 20 minutes. Oh, it sure did. <laughs> yeah, and as a Hibiscus May fan, look... 20 minutes is pushing it for me. You know what I mean? Oh and then but then you make it a hardcore death match. I'll tell you this. It was one of the better ones. If you put that tag team up against, or that tag team match up against any Ice Ribbon tag team death match from last year, I think out of maybe one, I think that one beats it. You know what I mean? Well, most um, of them are bad. For so what yeah. it's worth. <laughs> yeah, for what it's worth. Uh, Sakurota and Yumi Oka won the Wave tag titles from Shimizu and Saki. You think it came a little soon? No, I think that's a good run for Galaxy Punch. I mean, they took it off Rin and um, uh, Itsuki. So, you know, they had it for, what, five months, if I'm right? So let's see here. Yeah, three or four. Defenses. Oh, wow, they had, it, they had it since August. Wow. Yeah, since August. Right, so what's that? How many defenses a, they had? Six months? Yeah, pretty good. Months? Okay. I, yeah, retra- I retract my question. Yeah, that was yeah, pretty okay. That was a good run. And then you give it back to Hiroda and Oka, who can now use it to, you know, they'll dominate for a little bit, and then they'll pass off to some other team. Wave's good like that. I will say the storyline did kind of call for this uh, with yep. what uh, color. It. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was built fairly competently with the colors unit coming in. They had the they had the tag titles. Uh, Saki is clearly in line for a wave title match singles. Uh, Oka and Hirota, as much as I'm not a Hirota fan in any form or fashion, the story was there for these two to win. And yeah. my thoughts on the match was it it didn't reach any recommendation level for me. It was just they never got out of that comedy pace. It always seemed to come back to it. And I think that's just how Hirota works. And it just doesn't work for me personally. Yeah, that's totally fine. Uh, it's yeah. fair. Fair assessment. Um, I got to give a lot of credit to Saki and Colors and Galaxy Punch because... They came in back when Actress Girls was still a thing. Um, won the titles. Actress Girls ends. Color starts. Then they're going to shop themselves as colors. And so they've come in. They've done a couple one-on-ones uh, on the undercard. Then they did a pay-per-view with Wave. I call it a pay-per-view. I'm doing little <laughs> things on the radio. But uh, they did a show with... Um, a premium live event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Premium live event on YouTube for free for everybody to watch. Um, then they had uh, like one title match and FLE, a free live event. Yeah, there you go. And they have totally free live event. Um, and then they do this, and then they move the tag titles over, right? So Saki came in with colors. They kind of ran their bit. Now they're going on to to Nomad. Um, mixing a little Choco Pro in the middle. I thought it was pretty good. This is a nice little exclamation point on the end of this little tour. And if they stay and they show up in the next show, I'm all for it. But if they decide to move on and we don't see them for a while, it was a great run for, for Galaxy Punch and Wave. And so Hiroda and Oka now get to do that with another team, which I'm hoping involves Marvelous. Like, I'd like to see Wave take on, like, Maria 
not rent, bring somebody else in, but like give it to Maria and somebody else and let them run with it for a little while. I think that would be fun for Wave. I mean, they could do some story with Rin and fellow Marvelous people coming in and doing some things. I mean, <clears throat> the scene is more than willing to play ball with each other to an extent. It's just there because everything's so segregated to the point of being pushed that no one's really able to get going with much. And that's also frustrating as a fan. Regina De Wave title match. Nagi Sonozaki defeats Miyuka Takase 22 minutes, 31 seconds. JPQ. Three out of three. I loved this. I went in with an open mind. And I tell you what, Nagisa Nozaki is putting on the best work of her career right now. I'm saying that right now. She's had some she's had some uh, tough times over the last 10 years, to say the least. Whew. And it really feels like she's about to do embark on something special here. And I don't think Saki should take this title from her. I think we can build something up uh, bigger and better and keep it going. I, I think this is a, a good time for her to... I was thinking Takase or Saki should t- take the title, but coming off of her last couple matches and how she's being booked and presented, I think you can't really do much better than what they're doing right now. And I think from an in-ring perspective, this is, again, the best work she's done. This match was no exception. I do wish she would uh have a kind of killer finisher she develops i think that's needed in her game because she's a lot of she's a lot of running boots (laughs) she's a lot of that sure is yep but in this match what really drew me in was the pacing and takase is really good at it uh lots of fire from both of them uh stiff forearms slaps and there's the moment of the exploder suplex where not nozaki just dunks Takase on her head and once that happened that was that cue where y- you can uh, at least I don't know if you find yourself uh in in watching wrestling matches and you just go come on give me something give me something good to take this match over that edge because then when it happens you <laughs> feel it and you're like yeah oh yeah, yeah give me that <laughs> why they caught a wave <laughs> I was hit with a wave of emotion of just, oh, that was rad. I, I want to see more. Keep it going. Give me some near falls. And I got it all with one of my favorite finishes of the year, where they're both just completely exhausted. Takase has taken those exploder suplexes and somehow have kicked out. And Nozaki's perched up in the corner. Takase, and they teased this earlier in the match, which was which was brilliant from a match structure perspective, where uh, it's Takase and Nozaki hitting the ropes, and Takase's got her lariat that she pumps up, and Nozaki's got her boot. And she's hit like a thousand of these in the match, but all it takes, she hits so many of them, it, it's a deteriorating case of like water on limestone. <laughs> Where just being away at it, you what now? So just eroding it away. Yeah, everything's everything's eroding, and when Nozaki came out of the corner, and Takase. It had that like Kojima lariat, you know, motion. And it was like that one last ditch effort. She goes in, but the boot, the leg is longer than the arm and she just gets taken out. She flips on her neck and head and gets pinned one, two, three. 
my this is my favorite women's match outside of stardom this year. I adored this. I think that's fair. That's a good one. Um, I think it is, might be mine too. This uh, this is what Wave does, man. Every couple shows, they'll surprise you, and they'll pull one together that whether it's hyped well and then executed well, or just blows you away with you know no going into it, no um, expectation, and then holy crap, what a nice wrestling match. Wave has a tendency to do that, and so here we are. What first six weeks of the year, and we get really the match we should have got last summer um, before Takase's injury. She won, um, you know, catch the wave tournament. Nagisa was champion, and you, this this match either could have happened, or we might have even seen a title change back then. No, Hirota with... was champion at the time. Was she? Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh yeah. Did Nagisa lose it before Catch the Wave? Because she had it in that year. No, Nozaki lost it in December of 2020. Yeah, I'm off. Hirota lost it after the Catch the Wave to Nozaki. Okay, okay, so that's why she got it back. Okay, so I'm just off. I'm, yeah. I flipped my months. Got it. Okay, that <laughs> makes more sense to me. I'm sitting there like, no, it was not 2020. Okay, but yeah, alright. So either way, so then they gave it to Nozaki. Um... I guess this one would have been a rematch at that point. Well, that changes some things, but uh, <laughs> which is good. I'm getting it off on your show before I do my recording. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, free. super solid, right? Lived up to the hype. Um, you know, going into it, it looked like one of those ones where people should be paying attention to it, and it delivered. And so, you know, big win there. And I'm very much looking forward to that Saki match. I really am. Uh, I and speaking of Saki, she's also challenging for the Infinity title already. So yeah. there, so the Ice Ribbon prediction did come true, just much sooner than I would have liked, because that feels like a match that could be built up longer and garner more attention, uh, at least from the Ice Ribbon perspective. I agree, um, but I think for Saki, it's, it's all about fundraising right now. Like I think she just needs to keep have money keep coming in. Well, to be able to do all this other stuff that she wants to do. This is this <laughs> so is she's also, just got to go work. Yeah, this is also something that happens in the Joshi indie scene a lot. Is essentially all these promotions have a hive mind of we're all gonna have this one challenger challenge for all our belts. Yep. And sometimes this person wins them all. Hiroyo, Hikarashita, name a couple. <laughs> Uh, and then that. sometimes they just lose all the matches. Itsuki Aoki last year really sticks out. <laughs> that, which is a great spot for four years in, you know? Yeah, there's some other wrestlers that are four years in uh, doing uh, quite the things, but they're all in stardom. <laughs> That's true. Itsuki <laughs> Aoki's not going to start anytime soon, though. Yeah, if you haven't, if you haven't uh, checked this match out, Nozaki Takase, uh, hit me up on Twitter at BowlingJD. Uh, I'll hook you up. Or you, JPQ. I'm sure you're willing to share some wave. Always. Anytime. Okay. Stardom. What drop are you feeling? Mm, well, um, come on. There's only one drop that I care about in stardom. Well, I, don't have, I don't have Evelyn. I do not have Which that. is ridiculous because I'm going to send it to you and you're going to put it in <laughs> right now. Uh, I do have the MP3. But if not hers, let's go through Tommy's. Ooh. Well, I still have the old one. It's very hard to get some oh, of these. It's very hard to what? get some of these new themes, man. You're not wrong, but I expect I have Starlight Kids heel theme. 
Okay, what's wrong with that? Play that one. Yep. Uh, you know what? She kind of she's kind of earned it. <laughs> yeah. Stardom. Holy shit. This promotion's on fire. It's been on fire. It's crazy. So It's crazy. <laughs> last we left off was the Cork and Hall show, I believe at the beginning of the month, where it was Natsu Poi and Kid going to the big draw. Mm-hmm. With yep. that match serving as a, I guess, kickstart to the rest of the month and setting up a lot more things for the big sumo hall shows that are happening in march and when i look at the booking and the excitement level it all works out for what they're aiming for uh not to mention the mystery woman was finally revealed (laughs) the mystery woman yeah this this keeping fans in the dark um on random thing momo mask the back third of last year yeah, you know, mystery woman. First six weeks of this. Come on, like I, I, I got things to do. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I don't, I don't need to be on social media this much, Rossi. But it's good. It, the it the is more, good. well, yes, it is very good, which is why it's a problem. The more you get people talking about your promotion in good ways, <laughs> unlike other ones. I, mean, but, I talk about all of them in good ways. Yeah, well. You make that decision. All right. Well, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at the, the press conference, and this press conference was, it, it just, I think it did everything right with the exception of Rossi just blurting out the name. And then Ky- Kyrie, <laughs> all caps, I that was his... <laughs> then slowly I really takes the that. hat down anyways. Rossi's <laughs> always making about himself. It's so funny. <laughs> he was, he... he he couldn't contain his own excitement. He 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 had the loose tongue, just like he wanted, uh, the he wanted that brief moment for himself. So happy know she's it was. back. And so Kyrie's looking like a million yen, two million yen, a hundred million yen, and she's jacked. JPQ, yep. she's getting I them mean, games. She's got a gym now. She's got a sh- you know, like that was just as much of a marketing piece for her and her gym as it was for <laughs> Stardom's branding. Incredible, and yep. she's for all intents and purposes, is going to be a full-time wrestler. Probably not doing every single house show, but it sure sounds like she's going to be heavily involved in pay-per-views, big shows, Corkins, and the like. And if we get 35 matches from Kyrie the next 10 months, I'm a happy camper. I mean, that's more like than that's we get in the Western Josie scene. <laughs> more than we get in the Western Josie scene. I think that's more... I mean, I, I w- I'd be cool with 25. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be... The 40 or bust, but <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where it's like you wouldn't see her that much anywhere else, you know, even on the indies. I don't think she would, she wouldn't want to hustle and bustle that much. No, yeah, no chance. So she's back in stardom and they don't waste any time because stardom uh, likes having everything connected Puts and on running. The gas always, all the gas is always running. Uh, <laughs> 
Oi, Choto, you hear it. You're like, oh my god, I hope it's Unagi. <laughs> and there she is <laughs> in like a, a macho man, Randy Savage, fluffy yep. jacket type thing. And she's like, I need to assess this woman. <laughs> she's hilarious. It's the best. She is the best. She is hysterical. Like, these, I mean, again, it makes sense in, on the 100th episode that you and I are talking comedy shtick <laughs> in, uh, in stardom because that's where all this started. But. But she does it so well. She is so funny. People talk about the, the like the actress part of Joshi wrestling, and there certainly is like a lot of examples of that, and a lot of promotions. I mean, actress girls being a promotion around it, right? But my goodness, you talk about the comedic timing of Unagi and her aloofness when she's out there doing her thing. It's, it's incredible. It's it cracks me up every time. She's hilarious. So Tam is there with her. They're talking about, I've never heard of this WWE thing. I've never heard of this Kyrie Sane. I have no idea yep. who you are. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> and Tam's like, all right, hold on. <laughs> Pump the brakes. <laughs> the, the gas has got to get let off here. Unagi, go, go sit over there. And Kyrie's <laughs> not having none of this. She goes, all right, you guys want a tag match? Let's do it. I want Mayu. And she gets the jacked hammer out, aka the Kyrie backfist. You like what I did there? <laughs> I did. That was nice. Yeah. I know you like a good uh, good punditry. Always. <laughs> and Unagi doesn't flinch. She's not afraid of this woman. She don't know. She's not backing She's got down. the height on her. <laughs> Fantastic. And then it goes back to the press conference. And who should jump her but Oedo Tai? Starlight Kid, uh, 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 Tora, Momo. So they set up two things with Kyrie immediately, and that cuts into the Cork and Hall show that they set up with uh, the big prominence tag match and the artist titles. And I just want to c- keep talking about Kyrie here. Uh, get all the Kyrie talk out of the way right yeah, now. Maybe because it was a Mayu match right off the get. I'm there was no the Mayu will tag, we, yeah. won't we? It was just like, boom, Mayu's going to be involved. And it's just like, yay, they're still friends. Yeah, and from what I can tell, f- fans are happy. They're like, this is great. I'm excited. We've been waiting for this since she like signed with WWE. We're like, can't wait for you to come back. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you make a lot of money and then you come back and buy out Rossi. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. So uh, post-artist title match, Starly Kid's doing a beatdown on Natsupoi. Who does Natsupoi look up to more than anybody else? Kyrie. And yeah. Kyrie comes out uh, to the save looking like 200 Sick. million yen. Good God, yep. she looked great. She's got the nice high boots with the heels. Are you a fan of those? You boots guy? Sure. Yeah, sure. I'm definitely Bad a height. boots guy. Always fun. Yeah, I'm definitely a boots guy. And they cut promos against each other. Looks great. Starlight Kid acts like a, a fucking cat on the ropes and gets Kyrie out there. And she's like, whoa, hold on. I got these heels. <laughs> <laughs> Slap and Kyrie goes, goes down, hangs upside down like a cat. She's like, I'll see you there, girl. So it's her against Starlight Kid on the second night of Sumo Hall. What a huge match that feels like, especially after the, I guess, year now, or at least at least nine months uh, of the rise of Starlight Kid to get to this kind of post that she has. Yeah. I know a lot of people are going to say, like, well, them setting this up and then what, you know, may happen coming up might be, you know, too transparent. But I don't know how you look at a Kai. I- I don't know why the opportunity to put SLK in a ring with Kyrie is ever a bad thing. You know what I mean? 
Like, height alone, that is a good silhouette matchup between those two. And SLK being on fire the way she has been the last, you know, what, four, five, six, seven months is only going to add to, you know, what that big feel type of match could potentially be. You know, like, I don't think, obviously, it's not going to, I don't know, it won't be a main event, but it'll be upper card. And now you've got a good amount of time to build, you know, the story between SLK and, and Kyrie. That's going to be fun in the next three weeks, right? Uh, yeah. Four weeks. And even, so, even what's happening coming out of that is left with a lot of questions because, spoiler, yeah. Starlight Kid lost the high-speed title. And that more or less freezer from that division. A freezer from it, right? Or and the so opportunity. You can make the case that when this happened, and some people did, I'll give them credit, this is going to happen, so then, like, this is happening, so then this will happen, as in, you know, SLK loses the high speed. And I'm like, good. You know, Kyrie right. does not need to be, and that's nothing against the high speed. I like the high speed division. It's great. But Kyrie versus SLK should be, like, co-main. Boom. We should be rocking and rolling with it. And then it should be Azumi versus Natsupoi or something like that uh, for the high speed. I think that's where we're headed, and that's really nice. Well, Momo Watanabe... I mean, everything kind of comes full circle here, and it all makes sense, is Kid loses the, the high-speed title, Momo wants the tag titles, teases a, a partner, and she announces it's Starlight Kid. Well, Starlight Kid's yep. in the mix mix with this Kyrie angle coming out. Is it possible we get a Kyrie-Mayu tag title run, or they go for the tag titles and fail? I mean, there's there's a lot of different directions that they could go with all these threads coming out from one center point which is this Kyrie press conference everything is you gotta built have of Kyrie Momo at some point you gotta build to that um I would assume rather quickly and probably in the next six months you know a later title allows for some flexibility right to be able to get in there and go back to back with uh with their faction and Momo was there when Kyrie was there right yeah for a year two years yeah, a lot of these people were teenagers. Right, right. This is like she's coming back and testing. You know what I mean? She's, and she's getting tested. So everyone's assessing you know, Kyrie. <laughs> that's got to go. That one's got to happen. You know. So I don't know. It's a lot. It's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of fun spec. There's a lot of uh, not dream matches because they're going to happen because she signed. But there's a lot of um, intrigue around the pathways and and the stories and how we get there. That's what Kyrie does, and that's why it was such a big get. And so, well, really stoked for her return. I'm really glad they're doing a lot of these types of matches right out of the gate for another reason. We don't know the state of Kyrie. We don't know how long she has left, and why waste any time when you? I mean, for all we, let, let's you let's put a year. You got her for a year. Yeah, if you got her for only a year, then let's let's make that year a fucking awesome. If you got her for three. Sure. That's still only three years. It's not as long as you think it is for anybody. So that's really that's really nice to see as a fan is we're treated to a a heavy hitter coming back doing heavy hitting things instead of putzing around for I mean, I'm all for long term storytelling. Long term can be two months. Long term can be one month if you build it right. <laughs> long term can be her versus Mayu. You know what I mean? Right. The, the story is already there. Now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, but from now and then, she can wrestle everybody on the roster twice, 
and have a Mayu Tagron six months prior to the turn. Sold. Yeah. So Sumo Hall looking excellent, and we'll continue talking about some of the matches at Sumo Hall as we go through a lot. Uh, at Corican, back to there. Prominence. Uh, Tekla and Julia go to a 20-minute draw against Risa Sarah and Akane Fujita. And Akane did something great. Nice little touch where she came out with the goofy little Australian title. Australian. Austrian title. Oh, boy. There's a flub. <laughs> right. Remember. Uh, yeah, remember Ice Ribbon. She took it from her. <laughs> and here we sure are. Did. Uh, the match started a bit slow. It really looked like, at least from Tekla's standpoint, she was a bit hesitant because uh, she is a stardom wrestler and she left Ice Ribbon and there's weird angles going on between them, which is filled with a lot of question marks. But as soon as Shuri got in this match and kicked the shit <laughs> out of Akane and Risa Sarah, that's when Tekla goes, oh, okay, I guess they're cool with this. <laughs> they're <Yeah>. all in. <laughs> Everyone's here to make some money, grab that bag and make something count out of it. So at first I was like, you couldn't have just pinned Tekla. It really felt like they should have done that. But the story's not about that. The story is about Risa Sarah and Shuri, which I found Act. interesting. And could they do something with Tekla and Akane again? Sure. I wasn't a fan of that match they had. I thought it was kind of junk, mostly just a lot of miscommunication. But from the perspective of this really feels like prominence is being set for something up after Sumo Hall. They look like they're going to be something longer than just a couple months. And that's what yeah, makes I'm me sure. excited. Yeah, I think Risa Sarah is probably sitting there like, we'll we'll work with Stardom as long as they want us working with them, right? I mean, and that's just from like a financial aspect. <laughs> I mean, like if you're willing to, you know, keep us around and do all these crazy programs, fine. And I think there is a lot to be done with Shuri and, and Risa Sarah, right? And I think Sheeta is in play uh, down the road if she doesn't go back to AEW. Like, if she sticks around uh, Japan for more than a year, not now, because she got Ice Ribbon now, but after the Ice Ribbon run, and then you give it a little time. If she's still in Japan, I could see her matching up with her old friend Shori in some capacity. This is... I'm totally fine with this. Um, use Risa Sarah, Shori bit right now. Keep the story on Julia and Suzu for, for, that, for that match. Um... And and prominence stays, you know, in the in the you know in, in, in where they are, and I'm okay with that. Um, Even from a financial standpoint of how you pay people, it's more advantageous to stardom to bring the bring prominence in or any other group for that matter in every once in a while, uh, just for a big show. Well, sure. And they're they get just, it, they're filling they get a nice role right now, except it's more right. it's more prominent, right? Like it's like uh, you're dealing with wrestlers that have cachet in Japan. So of course they're going to be treated with more respect, but um, you know it's it's great, and it's not like you know it's a Fujita program that we're headed towards. But maybe, but we are with Fujita and and Tekla, and, but it's it makes sense because of the title that was stolen and the history between the two. Like so we're not shying away from their futures or from their past either, and that's always welcomed. And so a lot of things are being done right right now with prominence, both from their side and stardom side. And I really like that for prominence. And so they're doing it um, in a couple of different promotions right now, and they seem to have their handle on all of it. Um, you know, and I think that's, different that's nice to say. Well, of course, in different capacities, it has to be like, you're not, you can't, again, you can't start them as the big leagues, bro. Right. <laughs> it's like, you can't do the big leagues and the minor leagues. Like they'll just lose a bunch of money and only 400 people will show up to your point. You know, then you're just out a shit ton more money than you would have been if you would have just done your normal show. 
Yeah, and continuing uh, that post-match promo, yeah, Suzu and Julia, that's the big match there, and Suzu yeah, hands her yeah. a light tube, wants to crack her with it, but the ref ain't, ain't having it. So that, I mean, just on the surface level... He's in like, a Julia deathmatch, come on. Could we see... I don't want to see deathmatch. Uh, could we see... No, I know you don't, but they're just teasing it for the fun of teasing it. Some, Julia's a badass. Yeah, so, God, I just keep getting PTSD from that, like, cinder block match her and Tora had. Last January. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, yeah that was a tough one. The the prospect of having something happen during the Cinderella tournament and something leading to a big pay per view match where you have prominence in a couple prominent roles. I'll join you on that one. Uh on a on a major pay per view being a kind of main event, semi main with uh the Cinderella tournament kind of culminating. I could see something like that. I could see something Maybe a little bit more or less as well. Uh, it all depends on what their feeling is looking at the books of how much they think, how much business they think they can do with the Julia Suzu match and a Reese's Air match. I think it's a little okay, bit higher than Cork and Hall uh, for sure, but they could see it differently. I, I could I could see a case for that. I, look, you're going to get main event Suzu. Um on on a stardom card like and i don't know if it'll be like main event like as in the card but you're going to get like that type of vibe right and if you would have told me that a year ago that i was going to get suzu in stardom for a match against julia playing off their ice ribbon background (laughs) in any capacity that's a huge win you know what i mean and so i think that's gonna again i think that only helps prominence you know what I mean? Like, that, I mean, that it's does. great, for, yeah, that it's great for stardom, but my goodness, then you talk about, you know, the versatility of prominence and what it becomes at that point. And then if Risa Sarah versus Shuri ends up being, and why wouldn't everything Shuri's touched the last 18 months has been gold. So, you know, God, man, that's a, this is a nice piece of business being done by prominence. And they're still collecting from all the other promotions as well that they're working with in, in the meantime, in between time. Like they're impressive right now. I don't. I mean, who knows how long it'll last and whatever. But like for right now, today, you know, they're they're making some good money moves, man. Well, uh, I'll I'll disagree on making the money moves. <laughs> they're making a move in stardom, which is good. The fundraising moves. It's it's a fundraising move. Uh, do the fans when they see prominence here in this environment? Will they let? The scenario I see is well the first time, but then what does it look like when they actually see a prominent show? Right, they'll they'll be like, okay, I'll check right. them out. I, I'll see their show, and then they see the show and yeah. they go, oh, okay, this isn't what I was hoping for. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a fundraising show. You know what I mean? Like, just, <laughs> right now you're building money, you're building that cash, and then you hopefully you put on something worth a damn. And I hope that they do, but we won't know <laughs> until that day comes. Right. So that's exciting. Uh, artist title match. This was, I think, this is. The only artist title match that's happened this year, I believe, um, if I'm mistaken, whatever. It's uh, Oedo Tai, the young squad, losing to My Himapoi, the dancing squad. <laughs> More or less, yeah. Dude, Micah is a machine in these environments. She's low-key having a phenomenal year yet again. And Starlight Kid, the, the, the mixture of Micah and Starlight Kid really stood out to me in this match, where... There was a maneuver where Micah caught Starlight Kid in the scoop slam position, chucked her over her head, standing, <laughs> and 
And then she followed up with a lariat that turned her inside out. And there was like a couple other moves in there. There was also the wacky crossbody holding her uh, Hurricane Rana and then held her into a suplex and brain bustered her. Wild. These two have great chemistry. I want them in the same block of the five star this year. Yeah, that would be fun, actually. I'm, I, there's a lot of replays from this year, and a lot of these matchups and trios and tag teams. That'll be fun. Um, God, how big is that? Fives are going to be this year. Jeez. Um, this was another fun match. Like Again, it just... Something about... Did I go three on three Micah. On I might have gone three out of three on this. I can see why you could have. I mean, again, it's got Rena and Raka in it, and it's a three out of three match. Like, that's kind of crazy. And... The consistency. No, out I went of two out of three. these three. Two out of three makes more sense. Um, Still got Rena and Rock in it. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, the, it stands stands the way it is. It's like it's. I, it just blows me away. Like Himika, Micah, and Natsupoi as artist stardom champions. It's it's like they it's I don't know it's like a dance to them when they're in there they just know how to fill the spot and when one person's doing this they know where to be on this one and then when it's their time the timing between these three is just so much fun and I know artists of stardom you see it a lot Trier's matches I get it but these three just seem to be so in sync that you know it's almost it's just like watching you know a beat it's it's crazy it's crazy to watch and then Again, Starlight Kid, Ruaka, uh, good showing from Ruaka. Again, her pacing, her timing was strong through this entire thing. Um, you know, you know, her wrestling, where she is now compared to the rest of them, is a little space still. But you know, she's uh, she showed up and she, you know, she performed. And you know, and Rena's, you know, the fun Oedo Tai, you know, youngin coming up through the ranks, and so she played her part well too. All six of them just went out there and had a nice, strong defense title match you know and and just across the board just one of those ones where you just kind of leave it going into a pay-per-view like you know what i'm pretty stoked pretty stoked for you know what uh what the hell i just watched for the last (laughs) hour and a half and then i got a two-hour pay-per-view on a wednesday that i need to pay attention to because it's like literally the next day it's crazy i do want to shout out the saki tecla match for the swa title that was very solid one of the best singles saki's matches i've seen in quite some time but I gotta stop. I can't keep talking about Saki uh, singles titles, defenses, or um, or matches where she uh, she does well because she always does well, but she never wins. <laughs> she's people are like, oh, she's the new jungle. I'm like, people don't like her enough to be the new jungle. But and I would be mistaken if I yeah, I would be mistaken if I didn't mention the my Sakurai turn on Cosmic Angels, which well, hey, I'm real. Dude, nothing True. nothing is more death taxes and a betrayal in stardom. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, I, I'm so happy so she good. did. So good. So good. So good. Let's walk and do something. Um, and people wanted more stories, and here's a story. You know. It's an and, undercard story at that. Yeah, and I don't really like mine. So I was okay with her moving away. Um... I, I, lo- I loved it. I love that she got like busted open in the match on her chin. Mm-hmm. And Julia's yeah. like, all right, what's going on here? <laughs> My soccer <laughs> gets the gets the gets the mic after the match because they all did their pre prima match promos. And by the way, Tam handing My Sakurai her autobiography. It's like, look, I used to suck. 
<laughs> Read my book and maybe you won't suck either. <laughs> smart. That was smart. Yeah, I- exact words, of course. Yes. <laughs> Naturally. Yeah. It'll be okay. Yeah. You, will, you will learn. So it was, it's so great. So Mai's just like, all right, uh, let's see what we do here. And after the match, she just goes, all right, Julie, I got an answer for you. I want to join DDM. I'm sick of dancing. I want to be a better wrestler. I came here to pro wrestle. <laughs> I didn't come here to be an entertainer in like my previous position. And as she's talking, Tam realizes the words that's coming out of her mouth and you see her face. This is why she got nine ninth in, uh, I think it was best promo or sixth in best promo in the Observer Awards, Tam, because <laughs> she just goes, whoa, 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 hold on. Julie, <laughs> her first reaction is, Julia, are you stealing something else from me again? <laughs> like she's corrupted this woman. And Mai's like, no, 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 no. I'm coming over here. And she goes, do you realize the ramifications of what you're going to do? And Mai just goes, yes. And Tam just immediately like a bolsey in red. Ah! everyone's holding her back on the ground she's flailing legs kicking uh mina gets the mic she's crying walk is crying in a corner her, she lost her supposed friend now a forever rival and unagi's just staring daggers in her the the, the f- somehow she's the calm one <laughs> in the scenario and they all just kind of heads hung low and you get the last picture of ddm eight people deep bigger than most promotions outside of stardom <laughs> Yep. At least in terms of Joshi wrestling. Uh, we got a force here. We got so we got this angle. Uh, super well done. Uh, Tam remains one of the best promos in women's wrestling. It doesn't matter if she doesn't speak English. I'll keep saying that. And we have the rookie tournament coming on the uh, the New Blood Rising show with Starlight Kid and partner, I guess it's Ruaka against uh, Umasaki and Mystery Woman. So there you go. Lots of mysteries here in Stardom. All good? All good. All good. All right. Start a Cinderella journey. Let's blast through this. Hanan beats Kogo. Good? Fine? Sure does. Sure does. <laughs> she won. Oedo Tai, Momo, and Ruaka defeats Lady C in top-rate gear and Utami. Yeah, win on gear for both Queen's Quest and new haircut from Utami with the coloring. Very strong. Um, A little bit more tomboyish look. Getting ready for summer. That's what that looks like. It it reminds me of like OG Utami, right? Like she's getting back to what she was when she first came in with that haircut. Oh, yeah, kind of. Yeah. And then then this is just, again, more build, build, build towards Momo and Utami. So nothing wrong with that. Yeah, nice little undercard match. No problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, I probably like this much more than most people. I give it a one out of three because it's Mayu and Tam teaming together and they just look like they had a time of their life out there taking on <laughs> Yonayama and Saki Kashima. Uh, this was just, you want to talk about having fun and giving you the good feels? That's what this was to me. Three of those four women have been wrestling since their early 2010s. And then there's Tam. So this is this <laughs> right. was just a fun ten minutes of of you know people that just know how to go in there and mix it up. And uh, yeah, I mean it's not like a barn burner by any by any stretch, but just another fun fun card. Like it's like it's the roster glue that we talk about. It's just a fun match on a fun card. There was something about Mayu's music hitting, and she just exudes 
the best baby face in the world. She's in this match, and Tam's got a big smile on her face. It, yeah, it, but she came out fun too. She's wearing the glove, but she was wearing her gears, and she's wearing the mask. It wasn't like the whole to do with the, you know everything. Like it just seemed like a more relaxed atmosphere for all of them. Yeah, and it and it really served a. I thought its placement and what it was meant to do really accomplished what it was. Because then, as soon as you we were done with this match, we just got to the yeah, top of the went, card, and holy this is crap, like the comedy match in indie shows. <laughs> Right? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> like, but it's Mayu and, and Tam versus Oedo Tai. Yeah, when they're just s- double super kicking Saki Kashima and then you got the fucking clown yeah. in there, it's like, ah, <laughs> yeah, get rid of them. <laughs> you fun. DDM versus DDM explode. Time limit draw. We all saw it coming, but holy shit. Julia right. versus Shuri is on. I adored everything about this match. Micah and Mirai mixed it up. Himika and Tekla mixed it up. Micah and Tekla mixed it up. Just but but then when the ending like long sequence came, it was Julia versus Shuri serving the purpose that these two are who you're coming to see when you come to Sumo Hall. And you're gonna get something like this. What a phenomenal trios match. Three out of three. Yeah, and I didn't see anybody complaining about it being a draw either, which is nice because not all draws are the same. And, you know, we could have taken 40 minutes of this. This was like, this was just a fun match. This was a fun trios match. You know, we got a lot of, there's a lot of fan service in this match with different matchups and different spots and big spots and tests of strength and technical stuff. And everybody's getting their spots in. Like, it's just the pace was crazy the entire time. And, like, it just shows you, like, these are the six of the best women doing it in the world right now, today, and they're doing it together. And this is right and in like, the. This is right 20 in minutes the. Draw. Like, yeah. on, like, what's not the like about this crap? Jesus. This was right in the Hetman's playbook where he, pit, he pits um, faction members against each other and they go to a 20 minute draw where they just beat the hell out of each other. Yeah, nobody time. looked at this match and thought there was going to be a winner. No. And so for anybody to, like, fake be mad about it after the fact, it's like, come on. It's like, everybody knew what this was. This has been this happening since, piece. like, day one. <laughs> this is what's going to sell tickets to, to March. You know what I mean? Like, this is what this is how you sell out March 26th, is you put a 20-minute draw with these, with these six women. Like, that's all this is. It's a marketing match. And it was a phenomenal one uh, at that. So, yeah. So this was actually, I thought this was going to be a match of the night. When I watched this live... I did, too. Life, I, mean, I did too. I mean, many hours later. Um, but when I watched it for the first time through, I was like, this is going to be my match of the night. And then it wasn't, JD. And then it was not. It was not. Uh, Julia, I am convinced, owes everybody some sort of money deal because they were just beating, out, beating her down and down and down. And they were all trying to mug her. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, everybody gets it in on her because she's a pompous <laughs> prick. You know? It's like and it's and, and we love her for it. <laughs> but she is, and so she's gotta get her comeuppance. Stars. Hazuki and Koguma, uh FWC defeat the TJPW squad, Mina and Unagi. Uh twelve and a half minutes. Hey. Solid. I gave it two out of three. It vastly exceeded my expectations. Unagi and Mina make a hell of a team. It's almost like they've been uh they were in the come up together, and Hazuki and Koguma are on a different level putting in these sort of tag matches. They just have a lot of speed and energy to them. Koguma is getting in better shape every day. Hazuki never it never left her. Their tag team moves just always 
surprised me with how fluid and smooth they always are. And when it came to Mina Nunagi, this is definitely where their strength lies rather than singles matches. I don't think that should come as any surprise. This is just what they're more experienced with. And the singles matches will come with time. Namely, kind of, I'll point to that Momo Mina match that happened on a house show recently. That was very yeah. solid, too. That's how you, <clears throat> you and I are, um, we're fans of tag teams. Yes, sir. In fact, that was a uh, commonality early in our fandoms. And Hazuki and Koguma are just a good tag team. You know, sometimes they, people just get it. And these two get it. They know how to do the wrestling moves. They've they've worked long enough together. They've got a good feel for for spacing uh, when they're in there together. And it's just there's just great continuity between those two. Um, which means that they go up against anybody. They they one they stand a chance, right? Because competency in wrestling rules all, in my opinion, as far as keeping you in it. Um, and then from there, it's just clean execution time and time again just clean execution from these two and and this wasn't supposed to be like this barn burner of a match and again two out of three i think is is perfectly reasonable um you know definitely one worth watching but we're in we're out under 15 minutes uh defend the titles and everybody looks like they know what they're doing and it's just like you talk about a flow of a show and building the back half of a of a pay per view, right? Like one that you spend money on, and and this was like you're coming off the high of DDM versus DDM, and what they were able to do, and then you hit this tag match, and you're expecting like top tier tag team wrestling, and you get it, and it feels like it's two tag teams instead of like four wrestlers tagging together, if that makes sense. And it's just like yes, it satiates that tag team like bar inside your body and then it's like all right let's now move on to our main events i thought it just did a really good job of progressing the show in a way where you just stayed amped as you continued watching through the night azami defeats starlight kid high speed title match 17 minutes this was mind-blowing what they were able to pull off uh this Really, again, I, I said it the same way when I watched Not Too Poi Starlight Kid when they went to the 30-minute draw, where it's the high-speed style, but trying to extend it in time so they work a bit differently. And that's what made that match so fascinating to me. It reminded me a lot of the early high-speed title days, where it's essentially a cruiserweight title. And then when you get Ozami and Starlight Kid in here, their idea is they're going to go, 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 Along with telling their short, various stories, Ozmi working the arm, Starlight Kid trying to escape at times, and Ozmi running up the ropes and jumping over the turnbuckle to the outside. That was nuts. There's the entire, I think it was four and a half minutes to start the match, where they're just nonstop. And I put this phrase out there, JPQ, and tell me if, tell me if uh, this vibes with you. If this match would have happened in 2016 with the level of coverage Stardom has now, I'm convinced, and this also goes with Saya and Natsupoi as well, that these two would have been labeled as killing the business as Osprey and Ricochet were at the time. Hmm. I... As in, like, they... all the old pundits and journalists and various podcasters would be like, they're 
this is a choreographed nonsense, sure. et cetera, et cetera. I, yeah. If they were this age in 2016 doing that, right. yes, yes, I agree with you. Yeah, that's what I'm. If yeah, they were 14, 15 doing no, this, no. then it's like, holy shit! Look at these teenagers. Like, well, yeah, that, it. We'd, we'd, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a like different conversation. Narrative. No, I'm saying, um, I'm saying, pick this match and throw it in 2016. Yeah, it's. <laughs> And Stardom would have to be at that level to where people would be paying attention to it to that because again, this yes, is that, one of those yes, matches that is my now, that is my fantasy going scenario. To ever know it? Yes, yeah, that is so my fantasy to, scenario that the coverage is still the same. Is okay, Oof, still the same um, as in right now in in twenty twenty two. Sure, put, take everything that we have right now in this coverage and uh, social media sure. and all this that accessibility and right, and, and just plop right. plop it in twenty sixteen. I mean, it's certainly possible. I mean, 16 was a, if you're doing acrobats in any type of level, if you're doing Spanish flies off the top rope, if you're doing like these <laughs> crazy maneuvers, like you're probably, you know, killing the business. You know, that's probably fair for 2016. I'm just trying to think of starting, but even be, that's the hardest part for the mental hurdle for me, but I understand what you're saying. You're saying if that's what they're doing, then yes. Yeah. Uh, the the big move that took me over the edge that's my new i guess that's my new line that i'm drawing here over the edge the over the edge making having a good match go great was that spanish fly spot starling yeah. kidnazmi where they're fighting 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 and you remember from the tag match at the pay-per-view in january starling kid pinned her ass off that spanish fly sure did. and we all wondered at the time why did starlight kid beat her why shouldn't it have been it should have been momo right well how foolish were we to question otherwise? Because Azumi had that shit scouted. She lands and turns the momentum into the arm bar, the arm she's been working all match. So we even get yep. the we even get the Matt grapple fuck that we all know and love. <laughs> and Starlink gets fighting, fighting, fighting. And it all leads into the finish eventually. Uh, that this is my second favorite women's match of the year. I j- I have it not quite on the level that Mayu Julia match, but it's right there. And yes, uh, Nozaki and Takase, they were number two for about, what was it, three days? <laughs> yeah, I think three days. <laughs> I adored this. This was phenomenal. I, I was, and and look, the Osmi winning uh, told a good story of her kind of going for this high-speed title and Starlight Kid collecting the masks. I mean, when you look at the grand scheme of the story, it all makes sense. Uh, yeah. And now it sets up Starlight Kid, as we mentioned earlier, uh, for a lot of different directions going into the future. Yeah, I think they... So what's interesting to think about is... I have to go back and look at the timeline exactly. But there was a time, I think, beginning of last year, where Azumi was high-speed champion. Starlight Kid really wasn't doing anything. And I think she was still at Stars at the... Uh, maybe not that late. Um... And and it seemed like the momentum was in Azumi's favor right at the beginning of the year. And so they spent the better part of 12 months now building Starlight Kid. Um, made her the high-speed champion. They flipped her into a way to tie. Made her the leader of a way to tie. Um, via proxy by injury. Um, they gave her a mask gimmick. Uh, had her go on a high-speed run. Uh, had her go up against Julia in a singles match. Like, you know, just pop, 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 pop. Just knocking things off off the list. And now here we are about 12 months-ish later. And Azumi now gets to pick up exactly where she was before with a lot more credentials underneath of her belt, including a 
four and a half star, you know, um, high speed match. When was the last time we said that? Um, <laughs> you know, 2011, well, I guess. Kid, <laughs> yeah. And now Starlight Kid gets to build for a month with, with Kyrie. You know what I mean? Like, great progressions, you know, for both of them to, to be continuing, you know, where they are and where they're going. And so, you know, I think they've been um, smart with, uh, with how they've done that. And the match itself just serves as like another benchmark for them. Like they're just one rung higher on the greatest rivalry list, you know, with that uh, addition. And then what's the next one going to look like? Is it in the five star this year? Is it, you know, a year from now? Like when's the next one on one between these two in a, any type of real fashion? What does that look like um, as they continue to? build their legacy together. It's crazy. You know what I mean? It's a lot of fun. It's a fun, not every promotion can have that. Um, they certainly could, but they don't. And so we see with Okada Tanahashi, I'm sure there's other Impura that I just don't pay attention to. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Azumi Starlight Kid, you know, as, as long as that goes and wherever it goes, because who knows, maybe it doesn't stay in stardom forever, you know? Um, over their wrestling careers, if that thing can continue going, they could be wrestling like 50 times singles matches. <laughs> it's like, it's going be nuts uh, by the end of it. So yeah, just, an, uh, this is just another check mark on their goat list. It's crazy. Sai Kamatani defeats Natsupoi 22 minutes. Wrestling Observer Newsletter also gave it four and a half. Uh, different animal of a match, but very much kind of in a same, a same line as in, how do I want to phrase this? If Azumi Starlight Kid was Osprey Ricochet, Sai Kamatani Natsupoi would have been Ibushi against. I would have said Ibushi too. Who 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 would Natsupoi uh, be the role of here? Oh man, um, uh, Bushi. Nah, Natsupoi is better no. than him. <laughs> yeah, she kind of is. Hiromu? We'll go with Hiromu for fun, fun's sake. Okay, why not? Yeah. Because this match had uh, so many, like, Ibushi tells in it, uh, ranging from the suplex off the top and Kamatani landing on her feet and striking a pose and then turning around and looking at Poi <laughs> and Poi fighting for her life, just getting beaten down by the be uh, the bigger opponent. Maybe Hiromu Ibushi isn't the the right uh, comparison, but for fun's sake. No, I don't know if you're going to find... I mean, it's a Saya match, man. It's Saya style. You know, like, this is... This is what's going to make her um, white belt run so interesting. Is because she won it off Tam in a Tam match, right? Big high-profile you know, main event, fucking queendom. Let's go. Then she gets Unagi because everybody gets Unagi. <laughs> and then she gets a story with Poi. And, you know, Poi, up and calmer, but seasoned. You know, been doing it forever. Can put on the matches. Had just had a great white belt match against Tam last year. Uh, with storytelling involved. And so, you know. Yeah, that one was good. Saya Kamatani's got to kind of find her way. Like, what's, like, she's leading the dance now. So what's the Saya match, right? What's Saya style? And that acrobaticness and that agility and kind of the pompous arrogance at the same time. Like she's got a nice bravado right about her. Um, there is a good confidence to her as a, as a champion, which, which I like, right? Because again, I like my, uh, my champions to, to 
be champions, right? I don't want them to be happy with getting there. Now they got to prove it to everybody. Right. And she seems to have that. And so what's this look like three um, title defenses from now? And and coming off this Natsapoy match, I feel pretty good about where it's headed, right? Um, you know, she's hitting big spots. She's training. You know, she's showing that, like, there should be not progressions with regards to uh, skill set, right? Like, I don't expect her to come out with another flipping move anytime soon. But, like, confidence and execution, right? And playing to the crowd and, like, the showmanship or showwomanship that goes with with doing big moves like that, the the timing to wait when you're at the top to let people kind of take it in and take that extra picture before you hit it. <laughs> yeah. Things like that. Like, I think we're going to start getting that from her soon. And again, this match kind of cemented for me that that's the trajectory that Kamatani is on. And that's really exciting because this match was kind of incredible. I actually had it as a personal preference higher than Azumi and Starlight Kid. You're not the only um, one that said that. No, it's just... The way they went in there, and it's, it, I don't know, it's weird. That that white title, and the reverence that I have for it, and the reverence the wrestlers tend to wrestle for it, right, I think is where the distinguishing factor for me is. Is like, the high-speed title's cool, but it was more about Azumi versus SLK, right? The title was kind of second tier. There's a reason that they, they were there, but that's hindsight to the, to the rivalry. This was a title match. Right. This was main event. This was Natsapoy trying to get somewhere that she's been close to before and couldn't get to the last time she had an opportunity. This is Saya cementing herself as everything I just said prior. Um, and they're going to do it for over 20 minutes and they're going to send, you know, this pay-per-view home. And I think they nailed it. And I think that's what puts it over the top for me is that like that's a big ask and that's a big ask and the biggest promotion going in, in, in Japan, uh, uh, Joshi scene right now. Uh, biggest women's promotion in, in the world, you know what I mean? And for them to close the show um, to that level of coming after that match, I think just kind of teetered over the top for me because that gives me confidences moving forward that no matter where I put those two, they're going to nail it, um, you know, and that's why this, you know, this one's up there for me in a lot of ways. Yeah, and it gets you a lot, a lot more confident in Saya's run going forward that now she has a pay-per-view main event under her belt like this. Uh, that gives her confidence, it gives the promotion confidence in behind her. And where they were, uh, only 706 in Nagalka, but when you compare it uh, reasonably to other promotions that are running these, uh, that's a respectable number. It, you'd like to see a little bit higher, but you got to build these people up. And over time, if we're talking six months from now and we get Saya Kamatani in a main event, you'd like to see a little bit higher than 700 next time, just from that perspective. As for Sumo Hall... Kamatani post-match calls out uh, Utami and Tam. Uh, so Tam uh, getting another shot at Kamatani, uh, presumably. I believe Utami has night one. Is this a good move for you, or would you have rather seen someone else or a different two people in this position as uh, essentially what Stardom's doing is doing... Um, it's not double gold dash. It's just two pay-per-views, back-to-back nights, much like Dragon Gate did last year with Kobe World uh, Double Shot, where it's just, hey, you got a title, you defend it both nights, see what happens coming out of the weekend, essentially. Uh, yeah, it's almost a gimmick at this point. I like this gimmick, as long as you put on good matches and sure. you don't overcomplicate the stories. I mean, I don't ask for it much more matches. than just, hey, I want to face these two people, prove myself, let's see if I can do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
No, it's good. Um, I like it. One, because if she's going to defend in uh, both nights, then I kind of want to save the ones that I haven't seen before for later in the run. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, I, 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 I like the rematch with Tam. It kind of completes well, their yeah. completes their story in a way, and, and we get a a Saya led match instead of Tam led match this time. Ooh, so it'll that, be that is similar but different. Yeah, you know. And what's very interesting to me is the Utami one makes total sense, and I love this. Well, challenge. Sure, it gets That's her a, a big match on a match, man. You know what happened in March last year at the Budokan? Uh, that's what that was the Shory SWA match that was Utami versus for the red belt, right? Yeah, Saya for the red belt. Yeah. So now the tides have turned and it's the white belt. I love that. Nice little annual cyclical yeah. story there. Draw. Ooh, yeah, could be. Could be. Could be. I'll tell you, it's more of a draw or uh, Saya Eric Kamatani win than Utami win. I agree. Like, I agree. I, a good odds. Good odds. Yeah, it's definitely good odds. Yeah, I like this move, and I can see either of those two results. Um, mm-hmm. sure. Is there a scenario where we could see Tam or Utami coming out with the white belt and what that means going forward? Injury. That's it. Well, you, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, saying that's, real, that's like legitimately the only reason. Okay, well, that's a factor that goes without saying. Usually, yeah. But uh, booking-wise? No. Uh, not, not unless not you want, it. unless you're trying to go Tam Kyrie for title. Oh, like that would be the only one. But you already got no, because then, man, so, I don't. That would be some. That would be some second. You know, say, um, what do they call that? That'd be some weird booking. Give it to give it to Kamatani. Let her hold on to it for a little bit. Give it back to Tam. Only for then Tam to take it against. Uh, yeah, I don't. And, I don't see a scenario show. where Tam. That's wins. like a Noah thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't see that scenario. No, I can't imagine. The Utami one. one, yeah, see, again, the Utami one I'll give a little credit to. for, but but even then, I don't. I don't see it either because it sure seems like sure. Kyrie is white belt versus Saitani, uh, uh, destiny there. And I'm when going you, red, if she if she's going to go title at all, she's going to go red. All right. Well, here's a question. New uh, new person coming in, although has the history. Yes. yes, you don't put it on Julia yet. Do you put any any of those two titles, the Wonder or World, on Kyrie? And is that okay? If your plan is to put one of if you the white one, I could deal. I could you know if Saya loses it to Kyrie, I don't think that hurts Saya at all, especially in a banger, right? Um, given that it happens end of summer into fall, if not winter time, you know what I mean. Um, Kyrie in the red belt. Then I don't think you can pull the trigger on Julia. And it's like, are we going to wait another nine? Like, don't we want to get the first Julia? Shouldn't feel like Julia should have had the uh, red belt by now. And I'm not saying she should. I mean, I'm loving what Shory's doing, but say just like going back and kind of thinking about no. everything. It's like, no, I don't know. I think we're primed for it. You know what I mean? I think it's oh sure, she can win it. Re- she can win it reasonably at any point in time already. Correct. Right. And so, with, especially with her and Shori splitting up now, where I'm sure it'll take a while to get there. If that switched hands at that point, I wouldn't be surprised. My point is, is like, they're lining that up. If they're lining that up and they're going to move away for it for Kyrie, then I think Julia is kind of right in the pine for a little while because I don't think you put her back to white belt. I think she just kind of has to find a story of, like, maybe you continue with prominence and she does a Risa Sarah thing of that, but, you know. 
Yeah, there, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of directions you could go. I mean, just yeah. in my head, I I don't think these are likely by any means, but I mean, they're possible. Where is there is there a uh, is there some place that we see Julia winning against Shuri, defeating Mayu definitively, and then someone like Kyrie wins the Cinderella tournament and takes on Julia? I don't think that's likely, but it it's just. One of these many things that can happen right now in the promotion, and it it's not too far fetched. Just wild to think about that. There's just so yeah. much built star power and built story storylines within the promotion that you can go even the most far fetched seemingly direction, and it's not that far fetched. I think that's so. There's cool. good degrees of separation. Yeah, you can always get back to something that makes sense. Where do you think they go with Cinderella? Who wins it? Uh, right now, two days. I'm sure you'll do a show on it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I I just have no feel for who could, who's going to win Cinderella this year. I mean, I could be as accurate as pulling a name out of a, out of a hat. I'm leaning towards. I. I guess Momo, but no. No, no. She she seems prime for tag titles along with Starlight Kid. I've seen Himika's name get thrown around. I don't see it personally. That's too wild card. I think um I'll let you answer first. I, I just I just don't have any feel for it. Kyrie, I guess. I don't know. I'm going Micah. Because I think it's um I think it's the most likely. She's gotten close a couple times, and I think that's an easy win uh for I her. I wouldn't be opposed to it, that's for sure. Nope. Um, plus it gets her back in a title picture, whichever one she wants, which is always a positive. Even if she doesn't win it, you always want to be there at least once or twice a year. So, I mean, that's a scenario that would make sense in getting Saya's title offer already would be Micah wins Cinderella and they have that generation rematch yet again. Yeah. Uh, or Micah's just a badass and she goes, she wins and she goes, I want Shuri, like her friend. Oh, <laughs> I, I mean, that makes belt. just as much sense. And then it Shuri just, just, just beats her up Micah, again. Man, you know what I mean? Micah Styles. <laughs> You know, 100% confidence. Um, so, like, there's that. But it, it, and if you want a complete wild card, which I'm sure everybody will hate, except me, because I think it would be hilarious just for the wild card aspect of it, is you give it to Unagi. And then you just let her tease <sighs> like a like a like a cash in almost. Just let her have fun. I mean, I you I kind of I kind of mentioned her name at the early uh, at the early part of the year. That she's a frontline Cinderella winner because she just always gets title matches, and she was my pick at the time for Saya to drop the title to you to her. But there's just so many moving pieces and X factors that every at any moment anybody can lose a title, and I go, yeah, that <laughs> makes sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> actually, wouldn't mind seeing Poi in the finals either. That'd be cool. I don't think she would win it, but if she could just get there, that'd be good momentum for her. Would be cool. All right. I think that does it for stardom. I want to play some cowboy shit. You up for some cowboy shit? Sure. Give it a go. Actually, no. We have to do WXW. Nice little rundown. So I have different. I have a different thing. I got uh, a Bobby Guns I'm going to play. Rauchen ist tödlich, aber Bobby Guns ist killer.
All right. So 16 tar- sixteen carat tournaments coming, JPQ. Always a fun time of the year. Yeah. It, it's been a long time since we got to even discuss WXW together because <laughs> sure. I was like knee deep in it when we kind of first were talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you And you went to the show right before the starting show. <clears throat> yeah. I, yeah. I've been to uh, WXW live. Uh, in, in Germany, when I was out there living in um, Hanover, I would go to Oberhausen, go to some shows, because uh, I was also involved in basketball, and we'd end up going to Oberhausen quite a lot. <laughs> but anyways, uh, just, to, just to write, just quickly, as I got to pull up, the first round, because for those that don't know, it's, an, it's a knockout tournament, happens every year, it's Europe's biggest tournament, uh, generally draws the best uh, house for... I guess, Europe each year, uh, more or less at this point, uh, especially now. But uh, just to run down the field and the first round, I'm just going to name these names and just give me your like excitement level and confusion level, because <laughs> sure. I'm sure I'm sure some of these names uh, you've never heard of. And no. then I'll just kind of give you a backstory uh, from my aspect. Uh, round one. Here we go. Jonathan Gresham versus Bobby Guns. Well, that's what sells the tournament, right? That's what sells night one. So that's got to be match. your, uh, yeah, it's got to be your number one. That's got to be your main event, night one. Um, that's a good bet, yeah, probably. Yeah, I would imagine, I would imagine this is a one-off for Jonathan Gresham. Like, I, I usually, when somebody comes in and tours, I want them to be like, and again, maybe Bobby Guns is doing something that you know that I don't know. But just on its surface, I'm looking at it. Um... You know, quick pop-in in Germany isn't a bad thing. You know what I mean? Well, they generally stay the entire weekends and do some cool things all three days. Oh, so, right? I, yeah, I could see a scenario. Mm. I mean, the story is Bobby Guns. This it's is more like a King of Trios tournament, right? Where it's three days straight. Yes, boom, yes boom, exactly. Boom. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. I'm thinking the way they the way they distribute it is always a little bit longer <laughs> in between. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely see a scenario. Uh, Bobby Guns. Yeah, that's where the, wins. yeah, that's the story. That's the story of Bobby Guns. It's his first sixteen carat tournament. He's next champion. He's just coming off the uh, Michael Knight feud uh, that was well done. Uh, not quite the heights of the final match. I would like. I, I'd liked it at, at but uh, I see Bobby Guns winning, and then on night two or three, Jonathan Gresham is defending his ROH title in some sure. wacky match. Uh, exactly right. Of his. Biff yeah, Busick versus Michael Knight, a name I just mentioned. <laughs> well, then let's go with Biff. I'm going to take Biff. I think so as well. Uh, you know, pretty solid. He's a Beyond guy too, right? Yeah, buddy, just made his uh, big return. I was there. Got his blood on. Nice. Me. So there you go. <laughs> Dennis Dulnig versus Lou Fisto. How about that? Let's talk about Lufisto for a second. First woman to enter the 16-carat tournament ever. I like it. I, I like... It. I love it as know, well. I like things I like things that she does, and I like people that try to get her to do things. Um, she has a great indie presence, and she fits a role like this perfectly. Um, she's going to go in there and bang some, bang some heads. And then I guess to your point, because this makes a lot more sense now, um, she can have fun the rest of the weekend. Doing other stuff. Yeah, I see her so. losing in the first round. Uh, there's something going on with Dennis Dulnig. Uh, whether he's 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 a he's a you would like him. He's got he's got some good shtick going on, but he's also a good wrestler. 
Mm-hmm. I like shtick. That's true. And I think the if Swiss. she loses night one, then night two she challenges for the women's title. Yeah, great. Sold. Though I think Ava Everett... Two rounds and then... I think know, Ava Everett is challenging for the title on night two, so maybe that's a night three thing they they figure out? Maybe she wins. Maybe she beats Dennis then. And then she gets a second night, loses, then does women's title. Maybe. Shigehiro Irie against Zenzo Volto. You've, you've seen Irie, Irie. I don't think so. Like a panda-looking guy? <laughs> I've seen a picture of him. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Senzo Volto is a good high-flying uh, dude from France. I like him, but he's yeah, I like losing. the other Frenchman in the other um, matchup. Cara Noir against Vincent Heisenberg. Cara's got to be on the hands-on favorite, right? He's the... Uh, the one that won the last one. Yeah. I would agree. With them coming back, I'm looking at this and I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know if anybody can take him off. But yeah, first round, Vincent Heisenberg. Ace Romero versus Maggot. Gotta be AC Baby, but I don't think I've ever heard of Maggot. He's mostly a tag team wrestler. They've kind of broken mouth into some single stuff, but I got Ace Romero mm-hmm. winning this. Yeah, I'd imagine so. I don't see the dickhead heel winning winning this one. Although not this one. Although I wouldn't put it past WXW doing some uh, interesting if booking. The, if I knew what the tournament, like if I knew who would fight who next, that's that, that that's me. that's a huge trick to the sixteen carat. It really keeps yeah. you guessing and on your toes. Yes, it does. Uh, the formerly known Avalanche, my man, now going by his shoot name, essentially uh, Robert Dreiska, take it on. Fuminori Abe. We got another uh, indie Puro guy coming over. He's he's wacky. Yeah, I've seen him, but I've seen him like a couple years ago. Like he's relatively he's new. Pretty, he's pretty popular in the indie scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know who he I'll is. I'll make a bold prediction. Abe goes to the finals and loses. How about that one? That'd be fun. That'd be okay. I don't know how you get there. I don't know the path that he needs to get there, but it was like him versus Kara. I could see some shenanigans. Oh, I see Abe winning if he faces Kara at any point. That's how I felt about. Or that's how I feel about like Igel Blanc or Angle. I think that's how you say Igel Blanc. Igel. Uh, yeah. This Igel match Blanc. is going to be a sleeper hit. I'm telling you. This it's I'm, it's a I, young I like high him. flyer against yes against uh, Peter Tahani. Here's your Hungarian. Osprey yeah. right here. I love Peter Tahani. He is great. This is going to be a fun match. This is going to be like the gymnastics match of the of the first round. Absolutely. And I'd like to see Blanco over here only because I've seen him more than Peter. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's fun. That's the fun thing about WXW right now um, as opposed to a couple years ago when I watched it loosely is that I don't know any of the, all these guys are European and all of them are kind of relatively new to the world stage. Um, and so to make it fun and then you put in people like Gresham and Lufisto and you know, and you have some fun with it. And so this will be a good one. Well, the cool thing about 
what I've seen out of WXW in their comeback is they're really relying and they kind of are forced to because of <laughs> COVID restrictions, but they're really relying on a lot of other international talent within Europe. So you're getting a lot yeah. of French, you're getting a lot of Hungarians winning titles. <laughs> you're getting, you're getting, you're getting some den- uh, people from Denmark and in Copenhagen coming down. Not a lot of the UK because they're, well, they're, they're not part of the European union anymore. So we're nope. getting a lot of fresh talent and crossover talent. And the big match is the four-way. Axel Tischer defending his title against Jürgen Simmons, Lavagnol, uh, for the love, JPQ. You're, you, you, you're, <laughs> the, you're, the, you're for the love, right? You're a loving guy. Always. So you're rooting for Lavagnol. No. Ah, oh, so you hate no, love. Sorry. All about the Sometimes. hate, hate, hate. <laughs> hate, hate, hate. <laughs> but hate, hate, hate. <laughs> hate, 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 hate. I'd like to see a scenario where Tisher wins and he gets a faction. WXW is does have a history of doing something like that where he's because I've been getting the feeling this dude's been turning heel for months. Yeah, new faction's always good. All right, enough WXW. Dragon Gato. You know what? No drop. I'm just gonna go right into it. I'm gonna make my timestamp and go right through it because we're we're running late now. So we're at 2:08. Bear with me. Uh. So they're all so Dragon Gate is building towards Champion Gate, where it's uh Kai against Big R Shimizu, or at least Big Boss Shimizu now. And the tour getting to this point, I haven't been in love with it. It's not a lot of exciting great matches. The angles have all kind of played out, and they're not keeping the momentum. The gas isn't continuously flowing like stardom is. So we had a mini Triangle Gate tournament at Fukuoka. Uh, Natural Vibes won. Fine matches. There was a Twin Gate defense where it was uh, Dragon Daya and Yoshioka defending against Jason Lee and La Estrella. Also just a totally respectable fine match, but nothing that will jump out at you. But also on that show, they had all like these rookies compete in an over-the-top rope pin submission type match and Fujiwara someone I've kind of posted and uh, other Dragon Gate fans have posted as kind of a guy that's already going to be pushed to to say into some sort of main event role and he's the one that wins and will go on to face Dragon Daya for the Brave Gate title so that's the outlook there is it a weird booking decision that you have all these rookies lose and lose and lose and lose and then the winner of these losers goes off and gets a title shot yeah it seems a bit weird but uh, the outlook of Champion Gate, these mystery cards just haven't helped, in my opinion. Attendance is down across the board on these house shows. I know they're house shows, but uh, our buddy Niagara in the Discord just did a comp comparison between Stardom and Dragon Gate house shows, and Stardom's beat them in their own territory, uh, more or less, nice. for all intents and purposes. <laughs> so the coming in and out of Champion Gate, I want to see, and I expect, uh, I want to see some goddamn good matches. I don't see Kai losing. I've really been the one on Solo Island here thinking that because of the story of Kai, he's in it for the long haul, and they've positioned them, them him that way with the Zebrats uh, group. Which, by the way, what's your feel on Zebrats, the name? Um, I like the meat. Okay, well, I, I, I love Brats too. 
What about what if that? What about if they were shaped in Z's? <laughs> sure, so that means you get three of them. <laughs> hey, all right. Other than that, very little to break down from Dragon Gate, unless you're watching every single house show. Uh, the bullet point is: what is the main event going to be, and can the undercar can the matches underneath it deliver to a higher expectation? That's my feeling. Could be alone on that, but that's Dragon Gate. Now I'll play the cowboy shit. Are you ready for that? Yes. What's your vibe on AEW these days, JPQ? Um, I'm kind of... I'm kind of uh it, it's it's an interesting one. I don't think that they're increasing their market share, right? By any significant um even with like all all the fun stuff that they do. Like I feel like they just their fans are who their fans are right now, right? Um and I you know, I think that getting to Revolution has been a bit of a slog overall. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I don't, and it's not bad, right? It just feels trudging. You know, it just feels like we're not at the pay per view yet. I feel like there's been a lot between the last pay per view and this one, and a lot, and not a lot of it, like a lot of stories, but nothing that's like crazy compelling. Um, and and then we get a refresh after after this pay per view, and that's exciting too, because then we get a new build, and they're really good at that. So that's kind of been my general like big picture overview of AEW. <laughs> it's like, it's like I've enjoyed like matches. There's been like really some sweet matches. Uh, I love Eddie Kingston and everything he does. Uh, I was a Cody fan. So that's a bummer. Which might <laughs> yeah. In between podcast bit. episodes, Cody has left AEW. Yeah. He's gone. Um, do you, th- you know, do you think AEW is going to miss anything with Cody Rhodes specifically? I think they lose a little bit of, um, yeah, I think they lose a little bit. Yeah. Um, is it like going to turn people away from stop watching AW? No. I yeah, don't I don't think, think he's that kind of guy either. No, I th- but I think there's like a little bit of a spirit, you know? Because like all out, there's, that's the thing. You go back to all in. That thing was incredible, what they were able to do. Sure. Um, and, and Cody was part of that. And he was a big part of that. And what the indies were when Cody was part of them before AW. You know, he was a significant part of that. And so, not always your favorite in a lot of ways, most times, but but he was definitely a key figure. Um, and so, for him to be gone and potentially going back to WWE, where, like, whatever, it's the wrestling business, things like this <laughs> happen literally all of the time. Sure, yeah. It does, there is a little bit of, like, that spirit that's gone from AEW now that he's gone. So, I'll, I'll disagree on that. And here's why. I think once the pandemic hit, that's where it all went away for Cody Rhodes. Because at the beginning of the promotion, like you said, like he was the guy, right? He was that spirit. And then once the pandemic happened, he got into his own universe. And that was also post the Chris Jericho angle with uh, I'll never challenge for the world title again. So he handcuffed himself uh, essentially on purpose. 
Yeah, storytelling. <clears throat> and so the, the, the idea to follow was the TNT title, which I thought was a great idea, and it led to great things. Now, don't mishear me. What Cody Rhodes was able to do in the aspect of getting some guys over was phenomenal. He got Eddie Kingston, Ricky Starks into this promotion and got him jobs. Uh, he got Darby Allen over. He got Brody Lee over at the time. Uh, he was willing to do the jobs to these guys in particular and even left on his back to Sammy Guevara. He did business in that aspect where he didn't do business was keeping himself in his own universe away from the people that actually were the lifeblood of this promotion. Your Kenny Omega, your Chris Jericho. Uh, once he was done with that, never saw any of those main eventers again. He was always about the new blood coming in, getting a program with them, beating them, and eventually they beat him. And once you do that so many times, without, without a clear vision of who you are going to be, it was always it was always misstep after misstep after misstep. And I was just asking myself, and I was listening to One Nation Radio, and they brought up great points, which was, we never saw anything outside of his universe after, and I put the timeline once that pandemic started. He did the Ogogo thing. He did the QT Marshall thing. There was a lot of misses in there. Uh, the, And it was... It was. It just felt so separatist from the promotion and the way the promotion operates. And I made this comparison on the Joshi 2010s between Ogawa and Nanai Takahashi and their visions and booking patterns are so different from each other that they clash and it hurts the promotion from an overall perspective. Maybe not in their own individual things, but from that overall taking, a, you know, taking that step back and looking at it, one thing is not like the other. And over and over and over again, we got to this point with Cody. It's like, okay, what are we going to do next? I always thought Cody was going to, I don't know, team with Dustin Rhodes and go for a big tag title run. And I thought that'd be something cool. Maybe he becomes this heavy hitting mentor and he's pushing his dudes to get to the TNT title. None of these aspects happened. It was just he picks a guy. He tries to put that guy over. But after a really convoluted story and really pissing off a lot of fans. And yet, he was never the heel in any of these scenarios. He was always good guy Cody Rhodes. And it just got to a boiling point, when you do that over and over again, that the crowd just starts having visceral reactions to you. And I was at one of these shows live. Yes, he gets the biggest reactions of the crowd, but as long as he was so stubborn about a character that all the signs pointed to he was working us, and now it sure as hell doesn't seem like he was ever there. He was just too How separate. How hilarious would that be if that was the case, where we're all thinking it's just like elaborate work, and and at the same time, it's, that's just insulting him when he sees it, because it's not supposed to be. <laughs> right, because when you watch it on TV, and, and when you watch it on TV, it's just, none of these things make any sense. All the times, so over and over again. It, it, he, to me, he overstayed his welcome. Ha! So do you think it's a... Uh, there you go. Um, <laughs> At the end of the do day! Think, <laughs> do we think um, that's what led to the... To where, so how do you think it went when they went for the negotiation? Like, is it Cody maxing out 
um, his creative um, abilities with his character and wanting something more that WWE could provide because they're dangling pretty much everything at him. Um, <laughs> or was it Tony going, yeah, like, we know what you can do and that's cool, but, like, we're going to move away from this now and if you don't like that, then you're out. And, again, I'm paraphrasing to, like, super brevity. <laughs> just to, right. Just to get there. But, um, I don't know. I don't know. My thing is this. I think it's more... I, I don't think it's... Like so, I say like it loses a little bit of its spirit, right? Because of how it started. And the yeah, but story I, I think and, and I think that's gone already at this point. It's gone for a lot, but it's not gone for me, right? Like I just I think that every time I think of AEW, I think of this, like you know, the spirit of what it's supposed to be. You know what I mean? Now, what they're doing now compared now is completely different. You know what I mean? And it's like they're a completely different thing. So they're them moving away from it, it's not like a like a horrendous thing. You know what I mean? Like it's, they're going to be perfectly fine. And in a lot of ways they are going to be better off, um, without Cody Rhodes. But it is one of those things where I sit there and I go like, did WWE come in and like promise him like dusty tapes or something, you know what I mean? Or like, we're going to do this whole thing, you know, with the, the Rhodes family legacy and, and we want you a part of it. Like, I don't put that past WWE. You know, and I'm not even saying that to be like super judgmental. I'm saying that to be like, was that the offer that like ultimately made him to switch? Like, if you've got same money on the table, same years, and WWE can offer you like all the WCW stuff, all the, uh, you know, all the stuff that they own of of the Rhodes family, and they're willing to put that on the table for you in a creative capacity, in an ownership capacity, whatever. Um, does that make you make the jump? Maybe. If we're taking a lot of this at its surface value, I think it's a combination of both of what you said. It would have to be, yeah. I mean, the, you don't think you're leaving because you're happy with where you are. With where you are. So, the of everything you stated before is certainly on the table, and then you just got this little extra piece, kind of throw it over the top. Yeah, I mean, I think what I I think looking at it from Tony Khan's perspective is Cody, you. You've mentioned that you only see a couple years left uh, of yourself, and your vision is putting these guys over. You don't want to mix up with Moxley and Kenny Omega and any of these guys. You don't want to mix in with the Young Bucks doing tag stuff. Your value is low, because uh, he's already put guys over, and now, oh. they're in, now they're in the main event, so he probably... I could see him putting down, it's like, hey, I'm on TBS, I have you know the Go Big Show... I'm a cross-promotion guy. There's value there. Absolutely. And I don't doubt that. Is that enough value where they pay him like a main eventer? Mm, I lean towards no from the business aspect. And when you talk about then booking power and the vision that the company originally had and that was taken away uh, early on, then if I'm Cody, I can get comparable money and not worry about that or better money most likely uh somewhere else like wwe then i see it as an amicable amicable parting in that way it's 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 like a free agent with his it's actually a huge move for aw with all the people that they've been signing to get um to get out of a cody rhodes contract yes amicably you know at that it feels like at least that's a pretty big win. And, I don't, and I'm not saying that, again, I'm saying that as a Cody fan. I started this whole thing by saying I'm a fan of Cody. Um, but my goodness, you know, 
just the TV time you're now allowing for um, others. I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah. Plus, <laughs> then the, the the cap space. Because again, remember he came out in that interview with wherever I don't know if it was um, if it was on Sirius or if it was uh, somewhere else, but you know, pretty much talking about like through the pandemic they didn't fire anybody. You know what I mean? They didn't think it was cool to cut cut wrestlers. But now contracts are coming up and people are working again and things are open and now I gotta start making some decisions because we brought a whole bunch of people in and we cared for people for, for a good amount of time. And he seems to have a decent like relocation program. Like I'm not saying Sheeta doesn't work for AW anymore, but like he just got work. I'm not saying Joey Janela doesn't work for AW anymore, but Joey seems to have more work. You know what I mean? Like it feels like you know, it's like people are moving out and continuing to to continue to find bookings and things of that nature. So so that's all good, um, you know, and to get out from a Cody contract or what could be a second Cody contract, you know, I think that opens up a lot of, um, you know, space for them to make interesting moves and continue to do so. And so savvy, savvy, savvy little piece of business by, by Tony and for Cody he clearly feels good about the decision he's making. So, you know, whatever, <laughs> it's like if he, you know, if that works out for him. And it brings him satisfaction, then more power to him, I guess. But you know, um, and he's not in WWE yet, time. so there's still the, there's still the the wild could card. He could work. come back. It could always be a th- yeah, eleven o'clock hour type of thing. Who knows? But uh, whatever it ends up being, it's, it's like it's wrestling a, doesn't have a transfer window. He could sign back again. They can come to some other agreement later on. He's not in the Fed right. yet. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. That's right. It could all be an elaborate. Work, I saw a ridiculous too. fun scenario that. Cody buys Ring of Honor, quote unquote, Duck. and that's a big uh, storyline going forward throughout. And they invade. Who wants now? Nah, I said, yeah, no thanks. Nah, you're not feeling that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, look, I we can't sit here and and talk up the Joshi indie scene, right? And say things like the candles petering out and then root for someone to revive fucking Ring of Honor. Like, no, <laughs> it's like, I'm not talking about like, we're going to stay consistent. Damn it. Uh, um, I thought it was, fu- I thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Until Diana is still here 20 years from now. I mean, it's been, it's been around for 10 years, believe it or not. But it's been a minute. I mean, there was a whole, they all kind of came up in the same couple years. We might be getting into something like that now. Brandy Rhodes. She's out. I don't think they, from a hey, Brandy, hopefully <laughs> she wants to go be my mom. You know what I mean. Like if she wants to do something else, that's fine too. But like, if she's just like, nah, I just kind of chill with my kid. I ain't got to applaud for that. Hey, that's cool. But everything, everything she's saying, she wants to be a wrestler, and she went with Cody. That was that was a dual package. What it, yeah, good in my head for fun. I was thinking that part of the negotiation of Cody Rhodes' contract was Brandy becomes a champion, and. Also in my head in is Tony Khan going. You could do that though. You could do that though. Oh, you're talking about for AEW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, I hope not. No, I can see that in WWE because like in, you can get away with that shit in WWE. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I think you would think that AEW wouldn't be, <laughs> you know, doing shit like that. But I'm really glad you brought up the TV time because yeah, plus or minus, Cody being frequent on TV or not, when he gets on TV, those are long segments, long matches. Oh my god. Yeah. Same thing with Brandy. She she goes out there, she has big roles. Just a couple weeks before they uh their contracts expired or they're out, Brandy was in a long segment in the in the uh middle beginning of the show with Dan Lambert out there for like 15, 20 minutes. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah, they did. I think they did 12 minutes. No, okay, eight minutes. Yeah, it was something like that. Two segments. But as for Brandy as a as a as a wrestler, as a on-screen personality, I don't think they I don't think they lose much with missing her. No, no. Unfortunately for Brandy, none of her stuff ever really hit. Like, I don't think she Never. necessarily did a bad job with anything. Um, well, I got outside of the wrestling itself, but um, you know, like she did the whole uh, thing with. Uh, was it Awesome Kong? At the yeah, very at the very beginning, beginning in 2019, that's yeah, notoriously one of the worst thing AEW has ever done. Right, like, that was something that like, she tried <laughs> to do something there. She tried, yeah. Yeah, there's been a couple. Th- there's been a couple times. Like, she's went out there. It's just, I mean, I got her all the credit in the world. Like she went out there on national. T- she was doing WWE shtick in AEW, and AEW fans were just like, "Boo, <laughs> get that right shit out of her. here!" <laughs> oh, like, yeah, right, exactly. It's just like, oof. And then, like, made her, like, do something else to us. Like, come on. Like, they got to stop writing this shit for her. And she's got to stop approving it. Like, this, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Uh, what's your feeling on Sammy Guevara right now in this TNT title reign? You feeling this one better than his first one? Um, I like Sammy. I like Sammy matches. So you can really, you know, in that aspect, it's fine. I just, I'm just kind of bored with Inner Circle. I'm bored with, um... Like him and the him and Jericho dynamic, uh, Sammy either needs to lead a faction, or he needs to roll without Jericho. It looks like and that's where they're leaning. Keep the title. Yeah, and if he can just keep the title while he does that, I'm cool. Like I don't want him to be like best friends with like um, who's the dude from Alabama? Uh, Fuego. Yeah, like I don't need Fuego coming to the coming to the ring with him. You know, as like one of his boys. No thanks. There's but, a lot of comedy sidekicks in AEW right now, and I'm yeah, not I'm not right. feeling it. Right. If he can he he's the comedy, right? He's the five tool player. Make him the guy and then just give him like a couple pieces around him just for like tags and and stories and let him bring up a couple people. I'd be cool with that. Like I think he's ready for something like that. The TNT title gives him an opportunity to do that too. So But if he just ran solo for a minute, that wouldn't be bad because he's a pillar, right? He should be able to run solo for a little while. <laughs> Uh, I guess we'll get into Revolution later, but MJF, uh, CM Punk, I think, has been the top match. And it, it, my my big critique of AEW right now is they're, none of their title matches feel good. It's the non-title matches that have all the heat to them. Jericho, MJF, Eddie Kingston, or uh, <laughs> Punk, MJF, Jericho, Kingston, the trios match involving uh, the AHFO and against Sting Darby and Guevara. Uh like all those matches feel like the hot programs, not Cole Hangman, Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa, the the tag team three way shenanigans, how we're getting there. Right. Is that a good thing? I guess we'll find out when we watch the pay per view. Personally, I'm not feeling it right now. I think your title matches should be the hottest things you're building, not the nine non title ones. Cause yeah, that's, the, that's the thing about star power, you know, like when you don't need a title to sell seats, the title, you know, the title becomes secondary. And right now, even with it on a hangman page, it feels, it feels secondary. It really yeah, not as compelling, but I feel like the title match itself will be good. Yeah. It's I, just I, I'm not, I'm the not... build into it. It's not the number one focused thing. And that's different. 
than what we're accustomed to. Do you think Thunder Rosa is going to beat Britt Baker? Uh, was that on Rampage? Or was that, was was that not on Rampage? Okay. Ugh. Okay. Yeah, well, good. Yeah, that was my reaction like, Why are they burning yeah. that on Rampage? Um, when I first saw the graphic, I was like, no, they're not actually burning this on Rampage. But um, I think it'll be good. But I think it can only be so good. And so what is that in relation to what we're accustomed to seeing in Joshi and some of the high-profile indies, uh, American indies? Uh, tough to say, but I'm mean, probably going to fall somewhere in the middle, would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. Uh, just New Japan right quick. Enjoying Strong. Uh, Gabriel Kidd, he's off on hiatus now. He's doing some uh, mental uh, soul-searching. Big loss to Fred Rosser, but great match. He does it again. Jay White, he's everywhere. Trent Beretta, Jay Lethal. He's even doing some Impact stuff. I don't care about Impact, but he's over there. Uh, by the way, Bullet Club, not fine in Impact. <laughs> t- uh, no, definitely not. Turned on G.O.D. But J- uh, Jay White is back in wrestling. Uh, Carl Fredericks defeated a- HD Ethan Page, as Kozlov called him, which I laughed at. That was very funny. <laughs> Ethan HD. <laughs> yeah. And Lawler defended the title against uh, Tyler Rust. Also solid. Um, very pedestrian, but good matches for New Japan Strong. And then, of course, Sonata defeated Tanahashi in an extremely solid match. I love the finish. Missed high fly flow. Gets him in the European clutch situation. Pins him. Uh, not the match I was expecting out of those two, so it delivered there. And then uh, Okada defeated Naito. The over the edge move was Naito actually hitting the Starlight, pr- uh, the Stardust Press, Starlight Press. <laughs> we know what's on my mind. The Stardust <laughs> Press, and I was like, "Oh my god, he's gonna win the title!" It was one of those moments, and I was all in it from there. That's my New Japan thoughts. You, you haven't been what keeping up with the news, right? No, I hear good things about Strong. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just like two months behind on it. New Japan Cup, 48 people. It's essentially a whole roster plus Shima. <laughs> yeah, very exciting. Um, I like big tournaments. I like tournaments in general. But anytime you want to give me a um, single elimination tournament, I'm usually in favor of it. And then you just kind of hope that the stories work out. And with 48 people, yeah, you've got some stories that you can tell or at least re- re- freshen up some, um, some storylines. You know what I mean? Sure. And New Japan needs that. <laughs> they need something a little fresh. Uh, and so hopefully they get out of this tournament in a couple of different ways. Yeah, I think from at least West Western fans perspective, really, we're hoping for at least some New Japan strong guys to kind of get in there, get involved, sure. maybe an, an AEW name or two. But New Japan just isn't functioning that way. I think people need to realize that when it comes plus, to these. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's as easy to get back and forth. If it was so if, I'm not so easy, but if it was easy to get to manage getting back and forth. More people would be doing it from Japan right. to America, America to Japan. So I, I never like the USA guys. I just kind of leave alone because there's a reason they're not going over there. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Nice head on your shoulders over there, JPQ. Yeah, sometimes. All right. That does it for us. It'll just be me solo from the retro from here. JPQ, thank you for joining me. Uh, hey, all man. Your, give me all your plugs. Uh, well, I don't, that's a nice thing. I don't have a lot. So that's why we can talk more about everything that we love. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Big Pause on a Pop, where 
I'm active, I guess, to some degree. <laughs> I'm uh, I pop in and out of there. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Big Pause on a Pup, as well as PWI's Just Joshi on the uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Presents uh, cop, er, uh, podcast network channel uh, on any and all podcasts. So go over to PWI Presents um, on your favorite podcast. And, you know, once a month or so, we drop a pretty much a rehash of everything that's kind of happening in Joshi. Um, stardom being a, a, a good focus, TJPW, uh, and then the Joshi independent scene and ice ribbon, right. And everything in between. So, um, you know, if you're, if you haven't gotten enough of Joshi chatter, uh, come over there. J- JD was on the inaugural episode as well as uh, a couple others. And, you know, we're just kind of hanging, doing our thing. So, uh, that's where you can find me as well. Thank you again for joining me for the 100th episode. Here's to hundred more. Yeah, buddy. And it's time, of course, for the All Japan Women Destiny part of this episode. It's All Japan Women. We are at episode 63 of the classics, post-Midsummer Typhoon, a.k.a. the famous Toyota Yamada hair match, which gets rave and rave reviews. On this episode here, on this section... We're at August 30th, 1992, Corken Hall, the home of the Japan Grand Prix Finals here in 1992. And let's go over a little uh, little backstory here over what's occurred during <laughs> this tournament, which took place from June 27th to August 30th, 1992. It was two 10-woman blo- woman blocks, block A, block B, round robin, and unfortunately... Man, I tried to find a lot more matches than just kind of day one that was covered here and in the classics. But uh, much of it was on house shows, just lost the time, couldn't find the tapes. Uh, my couple sources where I get a bunch of DVDs, just a lot of just a lot are missing. Uh, there was there there's like a couple like highlight clip matches that you could find, whether it's uh, Takaka went away against various. LCO members, you can kind of find clips of that. You can find uh, Saki Hasegawa like killing a couple bitches <laughs> on undercards. But most of it's just lost. And I, for the life of me, tried to figure out why Akira Hokuto, in the middle of her new persona, only got four and a half points in this tournament. And how that happened. She went to like a draw or count out with Kaoru Ito inexplicably. I could not get a confirmation what happened to Akira Hokuto in this tournament, whether it was a booking decision or she got hurt or whatever it may be. But regardless, the standings in block A in first place, Minami Toyota, nine points, second place, Aja Kong, eight, Takaka went away. Third place with six. People at the bottom, unfortunately, Bison Gamora, after getting mauled by Aja Kong, uh, suffered an arm injury slash neck injury, which would force her into retirement for at least the next two years, uh, just the way it went down. And uh, between that and the Toyota uh, 
Yamada match that sort of started this whole thing, the that's those are your two best matches in the tournament, uh, right then and there. Uh, very interesting that Takaka went away, uh, got third in this group. And when you think about it, when you kind of look at how she's being positioned in the undercard and getting uh, the Japan tag titles, while people like Shimoda, Mita are still kind of on the up and up, they're kind of on that similar level. They're just being featured more in the LCO group. And Suzuka Minami continues to just be cycled down. She's a mid-carder at this point in time. They're kind of done with her. People are passing her up, and Takako in a way has a higher ceiling at this point in time. So this makes makes sense. It's not like she got like seven or eight points as well. Uh, that is reserved for the people they really want to push. And over in block B, uh, people at the bottom, Debbie Malenko, Terry Power, Kaoru Ito. And Ito is still awful. Terry Power... Uh, this is at the time when they finally decide AJW finally decides she's no good. Uh, this this tour kind of proved that, and they just kind of beat her over and over again. Did not matter. Uh, this I believe would be the last we'd see of Terry Power and AJW. And I believe Debbie Malenko, at some point soon, uh, <laughs> we'll call it ruptures her ankle and forces her into retirement. Unfortunately, so a lot of injuries happen. Uh, we're on the precipice of Marika Yoshida kind of joining them, which is very unfortunate uh, because she takes second place tied with Kyoko Inoue in block B while Toshio Yamada gets eight points in first place. Uh, Saki Asukawa, Yumiko, here we go. Hota, another example. Mid-Carter, not much else. Uh, People like Hasegawa, Yoshida have higher ceilings, more potential at this point in time. Hota cycled down along with some other rookies, and Hasegawa ends up getting four points with her. So that's where we stand. And the way the tournament uh, went is uh, in the semi, uh, it, it has a quarterfinal kind of tiebreaker match between Yoshida and Kyoko Inoue. That's what they're doing there. And then they split it into two semifinal matches where the winner of the Inoue Yoshida match will face off against the number one ranked person, which in this case is Manami Toyota, with the most amount of points, nine, in the entire tournament. And then uh, Aja Kong will face off against Yamada, as in uh, they both got eight points. They're uh, Yamada facing off against the number two in block A. So that's how we got to this point in time. Uh, Very shocking... And yet, not really how Yoshida is being now pushed the way she is. She's definitely in that Kyoko Inoue spot of 91. While Yamada, coming off that hair match, they really believe in her as well. So Yamada, Yoshida, Inoue are your your highlights of the Grand Prix tournament. And it's very unfortunate that so much of these matches are lost at this point in time. If anyone listening... Uh, does have indeed like some of these Inoue matches in the Grand Prix this year and more Yoshida and Yamada matches, I'd be more than willing uh, and love love the sharing because I'd love to see these. And the classics cover uh, the quarterfinal semis and the final match of the tournament. Uh, no sense in watching like the whole show. You can kind of get that, but you can find the full length matches, uh, whether it's YouTube, Daily Motion, Billy Billy. They're, they're out there. 
And surprisingly enough, uh, each of these matches kind of go the same amount of time, give or take a couple minutes. Uh, they all have the same kind of format, too. And I wasn't blown away by any of these matches in particular, unfortunately. I was really expecting more. And when I look at what had happened and what the goal was, I think they accomplished their goal and what they wanted the tournament to be. Just really wanted more higher-end matches, especially with how it began. So let's get started here. Mariko Yoshida takes on Kyoko Inoue quarterfinals. Goes about 15 and a half minutes. And it's not much. Uh, and this is a pattern I've seen with Kyoko Inoue singles matches, where the beginning is very slow, and then it delves into a lot of just slow mat work and just kind of sitting there type submissions. Uh, namely the bow and arrow lock. Kyoko Inoue is really liking that. She likes a uh, camel clutch type hold and uh, the match is a lot of limb work <laughs> from Inoue on Yoshida. It's not until the last five minutes where they start doing a bunch of near falls, which does pop the audience a little bit. It gets my interest a little bit more and it ends with Yoshida uh, kind of going She <laughs> she's Coming back, she's spamming a lot of her up-the-ropes cross-body moves or planches, and she goes for a second up-the-rope springboard cross, but this time, in a way, ducks, and Yoshida turns that into a sunset flip roll and pins her. Kyokuwana is very sad about this post-match, and Yoshida, big babyface victory, big push. She goes on to the semifinals to take on Minami Toyota, the leader of this tournament. Uh... I want. I really wonder how that Aja Kong Manami Toyota singles match in this uh, Grand Prix went this year. I'd really like to know what their direct result was. Did they count out? Did they draw? I uh, could not confirm. Could not find it. Again, if someone has this knowledge, uh, please share it with me. I'd I'd love to know. Aja Kong takes on the sha- the newly shaven Toshio Yamada. Crowds really reacting to her and. If this is indica- any indication of what Aja Kong's tournament was, uh, I think it's a good representation. Aja Kong's full force in this. She is a living human bear where she just attacks her opponents, uh, E-Honda style from Street Fighter, takes them outside, beats them down Brawl Bear style, gets some chairs, chucks them in, chucks the chairs at them, makes them bleed. Aja Kong takes no prisoners. And that Bison Kimura match also is a good representation, because Toshio Amada takes some brutal-looking chair shots. Just nothing can protect her from edges and corners of chairs coming at her face. Yamada comes up bleeding in the bleachers. They take it to the ring, and it's it's a mauling. And the crowd really gets behind Yamada. They're really rooting for her. Her black and yellow gear is stained with her own blood, and Kong don't care. Kong is ready to maul some more, act like that Yamada has salmon in her suit, and she needs that food because Aja Kong needs to feed on victims. So Aja Kong's getting her with back fist. Toyota's trying to fight back. She ends up uh, turning the tide with a with a, with a a whacked-out wheel kick turned into a front foot kick, like the front of her foot. So she... Uh, who who does something like that? I think I've seen the cat in WCW pull a similar move. Uh, not to insult Yamada with such a comparison, but I'm trying to think of other karate 
esque uh, maneuvers, and I can't really think of any right now at the top of my head. So Yamada turns it around with that, and she starts blasting Kong with with kicks to the to the ribs, to the arm, uh, to the face. A lot of them. She don't care. She needs to try to bust Kong open, and Yamada's just now bleeding profusely on one side of her face. Uh, unfortunately for her, she goes uh, to the top rope. She tries a crossbody. Kong turns it into a power slam, and then it's all downhill from there. Kong just beats her ass down. Uh, she uh, Yamada tries a couple more comebacks. It doesn't work. Eats a back fist. Uh, near falls are pretty good. I did enjoy that. And Aja Kong takes her to the top, does that uh, flipping... It, I've spoken about this before, but the best way I can describe it is it, it it's almost looks like they're trying a top rope Canadian destroyer, but instead of Kong doing the whole backflip, she just goes on her back and it acts like a a backdrop slam of sorts, and Kong follows this up with the top rope elbow drop, pins her one, two, three, seventeen minutes. I would, I mean, from what I've seen, this was the third best of the tournament, uh, which doesn't bode well for the next two matches, but. There are some things to like. Manami Toyota versus Marika Yoshida. Yoshida coming out for a second match of the night. Her disadvantage. And this should be an indication of what Manami Toyota was in this tournament. She's there to spam drop kicks, The dropkick symphony, if you will. Where she runs her against the ropes. Blasts you in the face. Goes to at least three of the four corners. Blasts you in the face with a front drop kick again. Marika Yoshida. Definitely eats it a couple times. Her lip is busted open. Her face is swollen. It, it's it's becoming a theme with Minami Toyota and Saki Hasegawa matches where their boot will meet your face and I hope your hand is up to protect them and they're coming for you. Much like Aja Kong with elbow drops and power slams and chairs coming at your face. These people do not care for your safety. <laughs> they're not waiting for nobody. It really reminds... It's, it's almost like they were watching a lot of Vader matches where it's Vader time, baby. He's coming. <laughs> you better be ready. So Minami Toyota is... Her whole goal is to do cool shit. Spam them drop kicks. And here we go again. Yoshida. Big comeback. Lots of her uh, top rope planches. Uh, to and fro the outside inside. Uh, Toyota gets her in a couple cradles. She's hitting Germans and um, Tiger suplexes alike. This one probably had the best near-fall sequences that I saw in this tournament. And the crowd was super behind Yoshida. Really wanted her to win, but she ends up suffering the Japanese uh, ocean suplex and does not kick out. So that leaves us with an Aja Kong Minami Toyota Grand Prix Finals. And on paper, holy hell. Even in 1992, you're like putting your hands together. You're rubbing them going, oh, give me that all day. And unfortunately, I hate to report, this match kind of sucked. The Toyota-Yoshida match went 17 and a half minutes. Yoshida gets a standing ovation from the crowd for her efforts uh, in the Grand Prix. She is over like Rover. And unfortunately, like two weeks later, she suffers a brutal neck injury. And she retires for like the next, I don't know, two to five years or whatever it might be. Uh, we'll, I I'm really wondering if the classics will cover that. But I got to try to find that match myself where she does suffer that injury. I got to see it. Uh, not in a... I got to see it for the historical context is what I'm driving at. So Kong comes out. Big bad music. Toyo's music hits. And she's kind of doing the 
rookie run to the ring, but Aja Kong meets her halfway and they brawl into the crowd immediately. And it's 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 like the Yamada beatdown once again. Yeah, they're just going through the crowd in the bleachers, chairs flying at Toyota, and Toyota runs away when she gets gets a chance. And that's when they go to the ring. And much like the Yamada match, they're e they're trying to e Honda each other, but you don't e Honda e Honda. Aja Kong will always get that advantage. And it looks like Toyota gets her nose busted open a little bit at the beginning of the match here. Uh, but I guess it was just like a pop bleed and it stops real quick or coagulates just super fast. But it looked like she was bleeding almost immediately. And the rest of the match is just mistimes. Nothing's going right. Uh, they're slipping all, all over each other. They just do not have the chemistry together yet. Toyota Kong is doing a lot of power moves and Toyota's bumping for the life of her. But each time to Toyota tries her up and over sunset flip roll, Kong doesn't quite go with her. She stands firm and then just kind of there's uh, that that one in particular I just mentioned. She puts her foot on her throat for a pin one two kick out. Uh, there's a sunset flip bomb in which Toyota just completely loses her grip, falls, and Kong just reacts with sitting on her Yokozuna style, uh, but her foot's under the rope and the ref won't count. That one made me laugh, because that was a good good botch cover, if uh, I doubt that's what they were going for. Uh, Toyota's going for drop kicks, and Kong is, like, slightly moving out of the way, so that's not quite working out. There's weird roll-ups that Kong doesn't roll through properly, so either Kong can't keep up with Toyota's what Toyota's doing, or Toyota is just slightly missing and losing her grip all the time. I think it's a combination of both. You could probably get it any of those three ways as an interpretation. So that's where we stand on the match. And it's just one thing after another like that. Uh, Toyota misses a few moonsaults. She does hit one eventually. Uh, kick out by Kong. You, The crowd was pretty silent for it. And eventually... Kong like never hits the back fist. She never hits the top rope elbow drop. It's a lot of just missed counters. And the way it finished is really weird. Like they botch something and then Kong just grabs her million dollar dream style Cobra clutch and then just rips her Urunagi slam style and pins her one, two, three in 13 minutes. It's really short. It's real sloppy. I don't know what happened here, but they certainly don't have the chemistry here in 1992. Uh, the next time they meet, or maybe that first time we saw him go at it in the Grand Prix. I mean, couldn't find the tape personally, but I mean, obviously they have much better matches in them for years after this. But from my first, uh, I believe it's the first time I'm seeing them in a singles match against each other. And this was kind of bad. It was very ambitious with a lot of the moves. But they didn't. They just did not have the chemistry against each other. Just very strange when you're looking at the history and where these two are uh, post-1992. And even some of the matches we've seen from them prior, Manami-Toyota, Yamada was just coming off that five-star, Toyota against Kyoko Inoue matches, Aja Kong against Bolnakano, of course, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the cage. Everyone has better matches than them. Uh, this just wasn't their day. So matches of the tournament was definitely uh, the Kong, Kimura, um, you know what, maybe I'll be nice and throw that Kong Tamada Yamada match in there. And um, that worked match between, I don't actually, because they were in different blocks, I wonder if they 
they no, they couldn't have faced each other. So that Toyota Yamada match was just to set up the hair match. I don't think that was a a Grand Prix match. They were in opposite blocks. But who knows? They could have like switched blocks somewhere along the line. Whatever. And that'll do it for the Grand Prix '92. I think the right winner won. They present Aja Kong with a nice little trophy. She does the pictures. She cuts a promo on Yamada. And then, funny enough, Mariko Yoshida hits the ring. She's got an All Japan Women t-shirt on. Her shoulder pads from her gear are sticking out of it. And the crowd kind of laughs at her because she's all awkwardly in the ring standing there. And uh, I interpreted this as Mariko Yoshida was presented as kind of the MVP of the tournament. And Aja Kong says, I want to fight you one-on-one, basically. Hope we'll see each other in the ring again. And I believe this doesn't happen until Arsene <laughs> gets made because Yoshida's out. Uh, let's see here. Let me take a look at her. Uh, l- let me just look at her wiki. Ends up what's happening here. Let's see. Does it say anything? Uh, well, it's set. Let's see. Uh, neck injury, 92. Missed two years of ring time. Okay. So maybe they do have a match uh, post-94 or something. Um, but yeah, she would, she would also be part of that Arsene split, uh, away from AJW. So Aja Kong is now the number one contender. She earns a right for the red belt and it's Kong versus Nakano at, uh, Russell, uh, Dream Slam, Dream Slam. I think that's what it is. Dream Slam in 92. Very much looking forward to that. That is the big coronation match. If you know your history. And that will do it for All Japan Women. Well, if that music's any indication, we're punting New Japan through the 90s for the second straight episode. Just couldn't find the time. Personally, a lot of stuff going on. Very busy. But here we are. It's WCW Nitro, July 12th, 1999. The fallout from one of the worst WCW pay-per-views you could see. It's Bash at the Beach 99, a truly horrible show where the uh, now (laughs) beater of women, Macho Man, the Madness Savage, uh, after assaulting Gorgeous George live on Nitro, uh, unbeknownst to her, he has won the world title in the just god-awful tag match where Sting can pin Nash option was totally ignored and savage due to gorgeous george turning on savage and swerving nash in the in about 10 minutes savage just pins nash and he's the world champion and this should be a pretty quick review because the show is mostly nothing until the end Uh, we do begin and end pretty well for the most part but it does kind of it it makes you alarmed we're in jacksonville florida 8,000 in attendance. Who knows how many were actually paid. But we begin with... <sighs> we begin with Mean Gene coming out for... That's introduce Savage. Savage comes out. He They, they cut a promo uh, about him being champion. And he goes, I will be a fighting champion. I will face... He's a self-made man. He had to do it all himself. The fans, of course, chant Goldberg. Goldberg has been missing for months now. Uh, who knows where he is? I... We presume he's out with injury. Uh, I believe he actually does have an injury at this time. But uh, Gene kind of confronts him about Sid Vicious and the girls. Ignore that. So the fans want Goldberg and Savage goes, I'll issue an open challenge to anyone except Kevin Nash. 
and then bang it's Hollywood Hogan he's back from injury and the NBA playoffs are over <laughs> so here's Hogan to save the ratings and save WCW from the assaulter of women macho madness Savage so Savage hilariously uh, gets out of the ring Hogan cuts a promo let me tell you something brother I'm here to blah you know the drill he cuts a baby face promo of course the crowd just the marks they are of the time just falls for it hook line and sinker and savage uh hilariously gets the mic and he goes whoa you know savage may i you know i made a mistake brother you're in the category of of nash you're both losers you're nobodies uh, you're zeros <laughs> and hogan calls him chicken gets under his skin savage like no 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 brother anybody but you too and uh hogan just goes well the match is made anyways. I'll see you in the main event for the world title. And there you have it. God, I wish Kay was here because this is what he called months ago, how this was going to go, where Savage was going to have this title. And because of all the title flipping with Nash and company, he did see it coming, but he didn't see it coming. This is the night. And I remember this as a kid as well. This is where Hogan will beat Savage for the world title because... Life is a flat circle when the inmates are booking, uh, <laughs> the inmates are running the asylum. Uh, it's a lot, throughout the show, we get rap is crap, we get Nitro Girls, we get clips from Bash at the Beach uh, showing this horrible show, and we're just going to stre streamline this uh, pretty quick. Vampiro versus Conan. Uh, Vampiro beats up Conan, and he gets a DQ. So... Pelts him with a chair, and then Michinoku drivers and post-match. I guess this is them trying to push someone new, and that's a win, but shit finish. Who cares? The crowd certainly doesn't care. Uh, we get... Let's see. We get uh, Ernest the Cat Miller coming out. He's cutting stuff. Bagwell comes out to insult his dancing. While Ernest Miller attacks him from behind Buff Bagwell's left left lane before a bell even rings and uh sunny counts the pin bagwell a geek and this is begins buff bagwell's journey of being a dork for the next two years he will get laid out and beaten down and his mom will show up eventually and she will put him six feet under as well i will laugh at buff bagwell getting the shit kicked out of him for the remainder of us watching nitro uh, Dean Malenko versus Ric Flair happens. Bischoff is back on commentary. Uh, Rick was too injured to wrestle last night, but he can wrestle tonight. Don't worry about that. Um, this match was okay, I guess, but, uh, look, Little Nate is the referee. It, it just like everyone hits the ring, um, beats up Malenko. Right. Who cares? Whatever. It's this old old guard versus new feud, and it's just the old guys beating up the new guys over and over again. Um, what was the finish of this piece of shit? Uh, let's see. I'm just reading. I'm reading my faithful KB wrestling review here to run down the show. Because, <laughs> again, I will say, these shows aren't good enough to take notes. They really aren't. Let's see. Malenko backsides Rick, but Anderson distracts Robinson. Same thing happens. Small pa Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Missile drop kick delayed. 
Uh, there's a sleeper from Ric Flair. Ram- oh, ref bump. Another referee comes in as Flair hooks the figure four. Malenko turns it over. Asuka, uh, Asia, Asuka, Asia kicks the ref. Robinson gets up and uh, awards Ric Flair the victory via submission, even though Dean Music played. Excellent stuff. I don't remember that, that last part. Uh, they recap the Junkyard match, which was terrible. Steven Regal versus Kidman. This was boring, but good God, the finish was phenomenal. Because it's Steven Regal with uh, Finlay and uh, Dave Taylor. So we got the Europeans uh, here to try to thwart Kidman. <laughs> so Kidman uh, thwarts uh, Finlay and Taylor. And has Regal set up for the shooting star. Kidman cleans house, gets up there, and as Bischoff is talking about how great Kidman is, and Shivani is like, he's going to do it, he's going to win. Kidman goes up for the shooting star. He goes straight down and slightly to the right. There's a cam- There's the cameraman on his platform right there. The cameraman doesn't budge. The foot connects with part of the camera. And Kidman lands, ribs first on the rope, and slingshots to the mat. Bischoff immediately gets up from the table, hits the ring, checks on him. And uh, <laughs> they're like, oh my god, it's the funniest shit you've ever seen. You know, Knowing Kidman's okay uh, coming after this, you could laugh at it because it's fucking hysterical how much he botches the shooting star press. And Regal kind of picks him up awkwardly. And Kidman rolls him up for a small package. One, two, three. They try to play it off like Kidman uh, did this sort of on purpose and played possum. But good God, it's ridiculous. Next match after more Nitro Girls. Sid Vicious comes out, takes on Kenny Chaos. It's long. It's boring. It's awful. Bischoff hypes up the insane clown posse and Dennis Rodman in Kiss. Because, you know, we got to do the music slash wrestling thing that they're pushing really well because the <sighs> anyways because the rap is crap angle is doing so well uh yeah Sid takes forever to beat him up it's like four minutes and a choke slam and a power bomb and then he cuts a promo saying he wants sting whatever uh sting versus david flair happens in a non-title match as they set up earlier on the show with the rick flair promo and sting comes out and says i want to take the power of wcw away from you and rick being crazy and cocky says oh yeah well you'll have to beat up my u.s champion son david flair to get to me and for once i guess they did something right sting takes care of everybody in the ring looks like a big star uh, takes care of David with uh, he's like there's even a moment where Rick Flair hides behind Asia in a corner but she takes the splash as well whatever um, yeah Robinson won't even look at David Flair getting in the uh, scorpion death uh, scorpion god damn it uh, the scorpion death lock anyways next Next, we, we, Sting it has Ric Flair at some point, I guess. It's WCW. They could, like, forget about this next week. Uh, Gene brings out a trophy made out of car parts that they call the Hardcore Title. 
uh, for Finlay, and then a bunch of nerds from the car park match uh, come out, and Jimmy Hart steals the trophy as Finlay runs after him. Cool. You loving this yet? Uh, Booker T versus Diamond Dallas Page. Bigelow hits the ring for DQ. Who cares? And then it's the world title match. Hey, Hogan versus Savage. And if you've seen any 1980s Hulk Hogan title match, Randy Savage is the heel. Do some heel shtick. Um, There's Gorgeous George out there causing mischief. There's uh, Medusa causing mischief. Does Sid come out eventually? Yeah, Sid jumps Hogan, but it's not a DQ. Because the, of course, there's a ref bump. Uh, Hogan Hogan um, does not kick out of the elbow. Uh, he just kind of rolls away, and then he hulks up after that. Uh, and as the ref is down, and Sid is taken care of by a running down babyface Kevin Nash, take care of business, he power bombs uh, uh, Savage and Hogan essentially is given the title by Nash yet again. New champion and Nash cuts a promo on Hogan saying no laying down. This time, brother, you and I are having a match. It's not the worst match in the world. It's definitely that 1980s Hogan style. But uh, can't say I'm excited for the potential Nash versus Hogan in who could work the least <laughs> leading up to it. That's Nitro. It's bad. We're a month away from Russo coming in, and things get absolutely cocaine-heavy. This was episode 100 of the Red Leaf Retrocast. Hey, 100 episodes down. We did it. I did it. Pat myself on the back here. Thank you all for listening. See you next time.